Welcome in to the Nick Bob podcast and a very special podcast. Of course, Bo Robert Root is here. Usually, if you're listening to this, it would be a game recap of some kind. But it's the bye week. We said, you know what? We need a break from football. It's been a tumultuous, stressful week and series of weeks for Nebraska. So it is the Wine Mailbag Podcast. We have gotten a whole bunch of good questions, and we got a bottle of wine ready to go uh, that Bo Rude has brought. And we have a we have a bottle of wine in the chamber that I'm not totally sure if we're going to get to, but we'll see where where this whole thing We've goes got, here. We sort of have deadlines. We got timelines. We got to meet here. Well, so we'd love to get it all in, but. Uh, we know we're getting one bottle in for sure. Well, we so we were talking beforehand. We were like, because I, I I was playing golf at, at this golf event uh, in Omaha on Thursday and was talking to people like, oh man, you guys, it's got to be one bottle of wine each. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's right, that, yeah. <laughs> but then, but then I bounce it off you, and I'm like, I'm like, in an hour, <laughs> like if we each, like, because that's the thing is you think about like drinking wine over the course of two three hours. It's like one bottle of wine's a lot, but you're not going to be out of your mind. You drink one bottle of wine in an hour, we're going to be we're, like, we're going to, we're going to die. Well, let me much. ask you this. Do you know the sort of equivalent in beers? Like what does, what is one bottle of that's wine? That's a good question. Beer? Is it 10 beers? Well, that's the thing because though. That's almost like doing, then if you each do a bottle, like doing the hour of power. Yes. And you know how you would get in college. I after slid off of your power. couch. My first ever <laughs> Power Hour, Bo Rude, <laughs> Lakeside Apartments. I got to... So people don't know, Our Power is you get beers, you get a playlist, you get it on like YouTube, and it, this was so much fun. This was just so much fun in a ridiculous way. This is just going to show you how much you drink in college and you just need fun ways. It's why I like beer pong and Flippy Cup was like created. College is basically a series of classes followed by <laughs> ways that you can... Drink more alcohol, like what, games I mean, to play. Just drink drinking isn't yeah. good enough for people. They need some sort of like gimmick or game. Uh, but the hour of power was you could put on like a playlist that would change every minute. And every time there were, the song would change, you had to take a shot of beer. Yeah, one shot worth of beer. And that ended up being six beers? Five, I think it's five or six beers. Five or There's six beers. Be some experts out there that are going to know. Yeah. They're going to know the exact amounts. I think it was like four, five, or six beers. And so... At the, you know, you do that, you're feeling it. And I was, I mean, I was such a lightweight. I was in the featherweight division of the Coors Light. And I got to like, I think 51 and, and just was like, like melted off the couch and couldn't like finish. It was horrible. But after the hour, you're so tuned up. You're so feeling great. It was off to the bar. It was great. It, it, It was great. But that's why we're, so. It just felt like in one hour or even an hour and a half, one bottle of wine each feels like we're that's who that do we was, think we are, yeah, Mister Big Stuff. I mean, we want to be able to <laughs> be able to discuss that. <laughs> too. I mean, okay, before I know, I know the people in the golf course just wanted to see you get just uh, everybody want like when you're not the one getting Rocco Taco, everybody's like, do it, take it, do it, man. But you remember the first the first conversation we had on this pod was. Let's not make this into jackass where it's like yeah, chug a bottle, yeah. <laughs> hold down the milk in five minutes. We're not doing that. We're not yeah, going to do that. Let's enjoy it. The idea so, is to enjoy it. We got a very nice bottle of wine. We do have one in the chamber in case craziness ensues. Before we pop that thing live on the air, I want to set the scene on where we're at. Uh, so like I've told people, we Kim and I recently moved into a new house. And literally what sold me on this house was this screened in deck. Like I saw this thing and I was like... I 
gotta have it. This I I love it. This screening deck. I have coffee in here every morning. I I've look forward to having moments like this with my friends out here. Have a few drinks, laugh, talk, all those things. So we are on my my screened in deck on Friday night. Uh, like 6.45 p.m. The sun is oh. just setting right now. It is perfect out. The wind has died down. If you hear a random honking of the horn or a bird doing whatever birds do, chirping, that's we're outside, okay? We are we are outside. Real quick, I want to I solicit listeners, because you heard my, my daughter came out and was telling you about these bugs. Have you heard of stink bugs? I've heard the term. I don't know what they do. I just assume they... You know, fly by and give you like they a toot. Quote. They're yeah, like, they ah, little, they gotcha. Ah, I've eaten so much chili. <laughs> I'm a bug. I eat chili and <laughs> I just fly around tooting on fools like that. <laughs> don't know why they gave me the name stink bug. <laughs> don't don't appreciate that. But the, so we have a stink bug issue in this screened in decks. I mean, I spend every like when it gets hotter out, you got to like, and they don't. They're like, I googled them. They like don't bite. They're not aggressive or anything like that. They're, but they're the Do reason they call it a stink. Yes, the, the reason they call the stink bug is if that's their defense like mechanism. Like if they're attacked, they smell. Now, my wife like killed one of them in the midst of it, like it did, like and it kind of smelled. So you and her have been uh, separated. Yeah, I'm like a- she got skunked. <laughs> I'm like take her outside and hose I've, her on I've down. Had dogs that got skunked, and it's you're supposed to you're supposed to like cover them in tomato. And is that tomato, real? That's is a that, real thing. That is? Yeah. Like if you get if your dog gets skunked, you're supposed to <laughs> tomato paste them yeah. up. But real quick. I had a dog get skunked and another dog take the quill, like got in a fight the porcupine and took <laughs> quills to the faith. Uh, let me tell you something. Oh. Now that's a you feel sorry for that dog. Oh. And this dog was a champ. My dad had to pull the, the quills out and it Dutch? Was just, this was Sam. Oh, Sam. Hunting dog, German short hair, and... Now, when, if you run into a porcupine, can they, like, can they, can, like, in the quills, like, can they, are they, like, Achilles? They're, the, not, they're not projectile. <laughs> I don't believe they projectile. I think they could probably, like, they could, you know, like give a couple of two. Maybe a couple inches. I thought they were, like, they were Achilles. I mean, but what distance are they shooting from, right? I don't know. I didn't know if it was, like, oh, what's up, Ted? Ten yards away. Boom! It was yeah. just killing people, but... With the stink bugs, I mean, what a horrible draw. Like, you think God was, God's making these animals, and they're like, all right, for our next animal, we have a bug for its defense. They just stink. They just stink when they... Hey, hey here's, a, here's a good idea. Let's make this one stink. I mean, what's worse, being a stink bug or a puffer fish, where if a puffer fish gets attacked, it just... And it just ex- just expands to like a beach ball, and no one really wants to eat a beach ball. Even like a sh- Jaws is like, I'm cool, player. I don't, uh, I don't know about yeah. I don't know ah, about that. But question. if anybody, okay, the reason I brought up the stink bug thing, if anybody knows how to like get rid of stink bugs, let me know because we need to get these stink bugs out of my screen and deck. All right, spend about ten, fifteen. I don't know. I'm looking around. I, I don't know. I mean, it's. I mean, the screen's got tiny, but these bugs are like. I mean, they're like the size of a of a dime, maybe. You You'll see one at some point. I'll point it out. I, w- I will point it out. All right, we've we've wasted eight minutes talking about God knows what. Okay, so again, w- what I did was, you know, we had the, the email, nick at nickbod.com, had Twitter, Facebook. We got questions from all of you people. And I, you know what I ended up doing? I ended up just kind of screenshotting a bunch of the questions. These are going to be in no particular order. They might be serious. They might be silly. Then there are plenty of both. And Bo and I are just going to try and hammer through a lot of these. 
Uh, so as I speak, Bo right now is is getting his the wine opener going, and uh, we we are, are we, we ready, ready are we ready to do it? I'm gonna get thing. quiet. All right, all right, here we go. Wine pod ready to begin. That was the weakest. <laughs> That was the weakest thing I've ever heard in my life. It's not going to explode. It's going to make a little. I, I would, yeah. Maybe I was thinking it was like that was going to be. I was thinking it was going to be a big one. All right. <laughs> okay, hold on. Here we go. Give it to me, dog. You're not going to make me do the whole taste test. Let's just pour it. This is good stuff, huh? Yeah, you're doing the. Nick Baugh is going to have to do the taste test. So you right, got to go. smell it. And well, we got a cheers too, right? Yeah. But you're the one that has to decide: is this good? Oh, it smells good. Okay. All right, here we go. Let's. Oh, it smells really good. Cheers, my man. This is what we always wanted to do right here. Oh, get the cling right in the mic. Ready? Oh, oh you know that's what's up right there. All right, let's there take a drink. There we go. You got the first drink. Is it good? Oh, that's delicious. Is it? That is delicious, Bo Rude. All right, let's get in a comfortable. Get comfortable, my friend. Let's oh, make sure I'm, we're feeling good. Oh, it is good. It oh, is really goodness. good. Okay, first question. I figured this is a perfect question. It comes from. You should probably tell people first. Actually, it's a it's a Napa cab, and it is really. This dangerous. is good. Yeah. You you're more of a wine. You you know what? I mean, I I'm what... like, have you ever had boxed <laughs> wine? And that let hear me out now. Way more can be. Yeah. Let me so, tell you this connoisseur. I don't really know much about it, but I the more you drink, the more you kind of do learn a little. Oh, bit. Oh no and question. It's like I can. The, the only thing I know now is I can tell the difference between good wine and bad wine. That's it. I can't it? tell the extremes. I can't tell much about it. Like those sommelier guys that can. Yeah, give me the. Oh, the, those master guys can tell you where, what country they're from, and what vineyard in what year. I mean, it's unbelievable. That's nuts. But I, I don't know how they do that. I can't. I can't do the thing where you decipher the aromas and the like some of the stuff flavors. i don't like what is like people are like it's bold i'm like what, bold is like it's with bold, someone that's like stands up in the middle of like a city hall meeting is like i'm not gonna take it from the mayor it's that's legs, bold it's legs are thick and running like adrian peterson and uh <laughs> i mean i don't know see i would I'd, i could do sports but like it's smooth <laughs> like michael vick but it's rough like Jerome Bettis. I'm like, oh, I want that wine, dog. Hey, that's that one from, uh, yeah. See, I need to start a wine that's like that. Like, now this wine's like rough like Sean Kemp, but it's, it's, it's tactical like Greg Popovich. You'd be like, mm. It's compact like Spud Webb, but it's, <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> so, okay, so Brian, first question. Nick, loving the pod, keep up the great work. Great work. I'm almost 42 years old. Uh, so I've been drinking literally half my life, but still do not like wine of any kind. My alcoholic tastes remain very basic. Domestic beer, captain and diet, etc. Most of my friends love wine and assure me that I will too someday. Are they right? Am I really missing out? Please advise. I was a guy. I'm the guy here. Because I was kind of like Mr. Eh, give me a Bud Light. Give me, you know, give me maybe Crown would be or, you know, some sort of whiskey, whatever. And I've got to the point where, like, I my I would rather have wine. It just takes. It, it's just like anything else. Uh, here's here's the way I'd answer that. I would say all alcohol is an acquired taste. I would argue that ninety percent of people, the first beer they have, they don't really love the taste of beer. I thought it was horrible. I, I know most of my friends. I remember. I I kind of like beer. I always did. Really, but right most, from the first drink, it was yeah, like Ugh. most of my friends. I remember not liking beer, 
And now if you ask those same friends, there's nothing better See, than a like a cold beer on a hot day, right? Right. But same thing with wine. Like wine, it's the first time you drink it, but the more and more you drink it, I think you you learn to like yes. it. And then you learn to like certain wines and certain aspects of certain wines. So I think it just it's like anything. Nobody likes alcohol of any kind until you acquire it. You have to spend you gotta spend some time. Because let's ten, be honest. It's a ten thousand hour rule. You, yes. It's Malcolm Gladwell's next book. It on applies this. to wine. It applies down. You and I on a bachelor party in Park City, Utah. Yes. People were whenever I told you like you went to a bachelor party in Park City, it was unbelievable there. Uh we went to a whiskey distillery, <laughs> right? And I know this. and then we sit. We're, we're sitting, you know, at the end of the tour. You know, I mean, they're giving him like, and then it's in this barrel for fourteen minutes, and again, you're in there like, all right, distilled at high temperatures, it, and uh, and then we, you know, then we, then you get to like the good part, I guess. You sit down at like you belly up, and they give you like different. And it's called whiskeys. a flight. A flight is, is that, the oh, okay, testing. Yeah. It's the testing. Uh, when you go on like a yes. tour, they, you get a flight of whiskey or a flight of whatever. Alcohol. And and as we're doing it, I'm sitting next to you. And you turn to me and go, is whiskey good? And I went, no, of course no, not. Know, it's no. And we laughed for five minutes, but it was the first time in my life I was really like, is like, is whiskey good? You go, certain, no. Yeah, certain, certain things you think about, it's like, is this good? You're like, no, it's not good, but I'm drinking it. But you know what? So that could be we don't drink enough whiskey. Yeah. That's probably this, the case. Because wine to me now is to the point like, oh, that, that's delicious. It is the, like this, and this wine is delicious. Yeah. This is we brought out the good stuff for tonight, but I, I also I don't know that I've spent time with whiskey. I don't I've never. When, I don't think whiskey's when, a good guy to hang. He's I, a bad hang. When you hang with whiskey, what's the whole thing? You're either fighting or you know what? It's like that's the whole thing with it, right? <laughs> yeah, you are. Uh, yeah, whiskey gets people sloppy. Whiskey's not a good like a not good thing to become buddies with. Well, I think most people start with whiskey and a mixer. Yeah. You know, you're doing wild turkey and Seven Up, or yeah. you know, or crown and coke or whatever it is and but then you moved you know i'll do whiskey graduate but i don't know that i ever just was like i'm just drinking whiskey every day for the flavor and then like I, i've never done but, that. but i'd imagine if you get to that point that's where people it would be like but whiskeys. that but that yes there's so, scotch people i know there's scotch people i've never done the scotch thing i just think to answer brian's question i don't know if there's i wouldn't know what to recommend to him on like start with this and drink start, that like i would I start with lighter with like a pinot right yes those aren't the the thicker and I think pinots tend to be the easiest to drink to me. I, I agree. I think it's just the easier to, to drink. And to you can drink with. some one. I mean, the one that I got, like people need to. I mean, you tell me. This is my the one that's in the chambers is a wine called Jam Jar. It's a sweet Shiraz that literally is like it tastes like fr- fruity fruit yeah, ju- that's, fruity that's juice. That's the way you probably want to start. I would say Jam Jar, We've and got, it's cheap. The one we're drinking now is Trinchero from Napa, and it's. Oh, it's bomb. It's bomb. But so that uh, I figured that was a good first question to get people set in the wine mode here. That's yeah. That's, that's how we're doing. Okay, next question. Andrew says, Nick, keep up the great work. Do I have to is it pretty self indulgent when guys like, you know, do that? Like, hey, Bill, love the show. What did it, should I do that or should I just get to the question? I'll uh, do it. They're Nick, loyal, loyal listeners yeah. in the Shick and Nick era. Put them in. It, this and I recognize it. Andrew. Uh, says Nick, keep up the great work. Your show is super authentic. Please only sell out enough so that you can afford to keep doing it. I love that he's like, don't make too much money doing this now, don't Because again, you know how much money we made right now? Zero dollars and zero cents. Hey. We're working on it though. We're working on it. Uh, big bucks are coming. In-state recruitment is a very is very topical right now. My question for y- for your for your mailbag show: What 
What's your top 10 in-state Husker miss list of all time? We're not going to come up with 10, but he comes up with some suggestions here. So listen up, Bobo. Hit, hit me with them. Gail Sayers, Danny Woodhead, Ed Thompson, Chris Cooper, Larry, uh, Larry Station, Stat, Station, Easton Stick, uh, Nick DeLuca, Harrison Phillips, Drew Ott, Ty Good, shouts out to Southeast, Ty Good, uh, Seth Olson, Noah Fant, Nick Leaders, uh, Todd Doxon, Trevor Robinson, Tim Ritter, Junior Bryant, Shaquille Barrett, Bryson Williams. Uh, Gail Sayers as I miss. forgot about Gail. That, that right it has away, to be Gail. That wouldn't even have popped into my head because it's so long ago, but Gail Sayers is a Hall of Famer. So how is Gail Sayers not an NFL Hall of Famer? There's no way he's not number one. It's just so long ago you kind of forget. I want to say Gail Sayers was early 60s, maybe 61, 62. So Devaney, in Dirk's book, it was in 1968 when he had his best run, like his the what Gale he did. Gears NFL, the Gears NFL. So I want to say he would have been in the you know he, he was, was right sixty five because him and Dick Butkus were the same rookie class, the same year in the. Look at you knowing your your sixties rookie classes. You know what's amazing if you like went back to high school and they're like, "Bo, uh, tell us one thing you learned here in English class." I'd be like, "Oh, here's a thing," and they're like, "Nick's like." Tell me something about Gail. Like, like, 1965. <laughs> That's Things my brain remember. But so Gail Sayers would have been early 60s before Devaney, but got to be the 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 biggest Husker miss. Uh, number two, I put Danny Woodhead because he's he's a year younger than us. But I mean, we knew this guy can play, and I still frustrates me to this day. It's that unbelievable. Didn't like what would have our team been like if we would have had four or five years of Danny Woodhead? Think about that. I would have loved to have been a teammate of his. So I mean, he would have been with you. Yeah, yeah. He's it. he's kind of you know. There's certain guys. I'm trying to think of other examples of this. Um, for some reason, when I think of when you think of quarterback bus in the NFL, who's the first guy you think of? Uh, some reason, Ryan, Ryan Leaf, Leaf is usually the first guy. So for for whatever reason, certain people, right or wrong, deserved or not, become poster childs. All time bad draft picks. Sam Bowie. Darko yeah. Milicic, because you pet, you know, like when when in-state recruiting misses, Danny Woodhead is the poster child for that. For now sure the answer the last is twenty-five years. The answer is Gail Sayers because Gail's an NFL Hall of Famer. But if I had to really submit it, I feel like I'd have to go with Danny because we live we we He's, most of the time talk about the modern era yes. or whatever we're doing. We rarely go before the you know the seventy-one seventy. Uh, national t- championship team. So, but Gail Sayers has to be the answer for all time. So there you go, Gail Sayers all time. But like we, Danny Wood is in the conversation. Good Anyone else? Are we forgetting? Like I mean, all these other guys are. I mean, those are. I mean, Noah Fant was a first round tight end. Uh, you know, you get a bunch of different dudes. Trevor Trevor Robinson went to uh, Notre Dame. Harrison Phillips was a really good player at Stanford. Uh, Th- those guys Ty don't. Good went to Notre Dame. He's, yeah, but those guys don't stand out to me like Danny and, and Gail Sears. No, Danny Gail Sears. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Uh, next question is uh, from at Big Bob Jones, and his I picture like uh, his picture is, like is pretty cool. He said, question for the podcast. Who was the best player, high school, college pros, you played with and against? I, I feel like I could answer your college. Go for it. Adrian Peterson. Correct. You, I remember when you played. I mean, I think you like called me and you were like, "Nick, this guy." You you were He's in a different universe. You you because you were, you 
you were always like, you know, there's certain you play with certain guys. They like really like kind of enjoy talking up guys they played against. You were never necessarily like that. You weren't a guy that liked to give anybody a ton of love. But like you, the way you spoke about Adrian Peterson was was special. Because he's he's uh, what I would call a generational player. He's a guy that, and, and I still hold running backs in a special place above almost any other position in football. I, I think there's something like if you are a good running back, it's almost like you're the best football player. Like that to me is the essence of football. Quarterbacking is, it's really, that's the hot position. Everybody, all the credit goes to and running backs devalued. But I still think growing up, I always thought the best football player. Agree. Was the running back. The essence of football, the the, the essence of, and maybe people may disagree with this. The essence of football to me is is running the ball and tackling the ball. So I think the the two positions that embody football the most to me are running back and linebacker. Yeah, and, and linemen would probably disagree. Be like, no, it's in the trenches. So but, I'll give linemen that, but I I agree with that. I think that's why, and those are the positions I played. So it's probably I'm who, biased. Who, so who was give me. I mean, high school because you and I played high school together. I'm trying to think. I mean, we played. We never played against Danny. Um, there was nobody in high school that was. I don't ever feel like, like I played. I mean, I played against a couple of. Uh, when you so so basketball travel basketball, you've yeah. you've had a couple. Well, I would say first of, of all, in high school, it, it, staying in state, Tyron Camby is. I mean, people in Lincoln will remember that name. Best, Tyron Camby the best was passer I've ever best pass. I mean, I played with and no disrespect. I mean, I played with Dotsler, uh Aaron Miles. And Tyron Camby's the best passer I've ever played with. Ever, not even close. Um, but when I go on the AAU circuit, I put the two guys that come to mind are Darren Williams. We beat his team, but Darren was, Darren was really good. And I tell you what, he doesn't look, you remember at the, you know, you know what I love about the, the start of a summer basketball game is you don't know anything about that other team. So what do you do when you come to that jump ball and you're just matching up? You usually just size people up on how they look. Mm -hmm. And usually you are right. You could kind of look and be like, that guy looks like he's the best player. I'm going to guard him. Or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Darren, I mean, Darren kind of had like bad hairline. Just didn't, like he was kind of, like, didn't have a great body. But yeah. he's he, not, he not, is he even six? Three six four. Yeah, he's he's six three six. Yeah, he's like six four. But he's not six five. But he just doesn't. Six. You know, there's certain guys you look at and you're like, damn, that dude looks like yeah. someone. He didn't look like much, and so I remember we, at like we no one matched up with no. We I think we put a guy named Corbin Biltoff. Corbin was from like a small town in Nebraska. I know. I remember Corbin. And first first play, Darren like first second play, like Darren crosses him up and goes down the lane and shits on, and we were like. Whoa! <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and, but so Darren Williams played against Brandon Roy. Remember Brandon Roy yep. played for played oh, yeah. at Washington and then played for the Blazers. He just had knee problem. Brandon Roy was really good, but Darren Williams would probably be the guy that I'd vote for. College, I'd go with. I'm going to cop out and I'm going to say Kirk Heinrich because he would come back and play. But that's 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 what you want to know. It's not it's not just the best who you played. It's the best you played with or against. Kirk Heinrich was so effing good i i was he goes he was my he's my favorite college basketball player of all time you loved him in, in high school like you, oh. you loved his game and being able to very first visit i ever went on to kansas uh 
I do the tour, all that stuff, and then I'm going to play pickup with the guys. And so I'm shooting in Allen Fieldhouse. Jared Hass is rebounding for me. And then the guys finish up weights and they come in and we they pick teams and I'm on Kirk Heinrich's team. And like this was enough for me to be like, I mean, I was – and getting to play with him for an hour was unbelievable. But then he would always come back in the summers and play. He was one of the first guys that like you just – I mean, he was a lottery pick. Like Kirk Heinrich's really good you player. Forget that. Like that's that's a top ten. Was he top ten pick? He was. Maybe I think seven? he was like the twelfth pick or I something. He was like that. seven or eight. He maybe was. I mean, he was awesome. But Kirk's the best. So Kirk would have been the best college player. Obviously, I didn't play in the pro, so I don't have that. What pro? I mean, it's got to be one of the. I mean, Brady. So <laughs> I just don't like my memory of like greatness was always Brady to Moss. Yeah. Like so, it's Brady. So Brady's the answer, but Moss is always like kind of 1A because like I always think of those two together because I was there for such a short time I mean a year is a short time in reality yeah. but when you get to see those guys on a daily basis on a daily basis there would be one play when you're re-watching practice that you just went oh my god <laughs> that's just like they make it look easy that right. was impossible but it looked easy and they do it every day and you go I mean, there's a reason why that 2007 year that I, I think did they went undefeated and he had 50 touchdowns. 50 touchdowns. Did Moss have like 23 that I'm, year? I can't remember how many I Moss mean, had, a, but it was like it was a huge number. But well, it was like it was unguardable. Well, finally, in all reality, the biggest thing when you know whenever you have that debate of like who's the goat. I mean, to me, I think like Brady's like checkmated it in my opinion. But the, the, I, I get that. Brady arguably had the best tight end, one of the three or four best tight ends ever in Gronk. But Brady, his whole career, like never really had any, like other than Moss. He had Moss for, and it wasn't even it, a For long, an abbreviated like three time. Three years he had Moss. I mean, and that's the thing, like Montana had, people. when people talk about all-time greatest football players, people want to throw Jerry Rice in there. It's like Montana threw to Rice his whole career. Yeah. Like that matters. To a certain extent. Yeah, he had Dwight Clark, Jerry Rice, John Taylor, and Rathman, and... Roger Craig. Tight end was uh, Jones. What's yeah. his uh, first name? Uh, 84. Yeah. What's his name? Uh, yeah. But but that's, th that's five, what I'm saying. That's like, five, five or six Hall of Famers yeah. there. Brady's had Gronk. He, Welker is arguably going to be a potential Hall of Famer. I mean, Famer. Edelman's but, now a Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, but those guys, it's like... Without Brady and the Patriots, I don't know that they would have ever reached that level. Mm -hmm. But those guys are great players, I'm saying, but they needed to be in that system to thrive. They they wouldn't have thrived like that elsewhere. Right. But, yeah, you're right. Like, Brady's the best, but Moss, Moss is like 1A. Okay, real quick before we move on to the next question. We got to give one high school football player. Who, who was the high school football player that you felt like? I mean, I felt like uh, Titus Adams – when we played prep in the state finals, I just felt like he hit me every play. It felt like. Tice, and then Tyus was really good in high school. Uh, Nick, Nick why am I blanking? Nick Leaders and Miller Miller Nick West, Leaders at Miller busted West. our ass. He was. So really was uh, who was a uh, Duggar? Jake Duggar busted our ass. Yeah, but but Leaders was Leaders was the guy. So I'd, I'd maybe say Nick Leaders. Nick Leaders was to me the the biggest. Where did he go? I was Iowa State. That's right. Yeah, started That's right. as a freshman. That's right. Um. He's a, he's a big miss for us. I think that's yeah, a miss. It, it, you want to talk about going back two questions? Yeah, he's a sneaky like sneaky. That, 
How does in, he not in the come modern to, era? Right. Like you can talk about like that guy would have helped Nebraska for a stretch where we struggled. He was a solid defensive tackle yeah. at, at Iowa State. That would've been that would've been a help. Let's take a sip. You need to get to sip and play it. Oh, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. This thing's All right, next question. <laughs> By the way, this is the greatest job I've ever had. This is so good. <laughs> it's the best job, job I've ever had, man. Is this is a job. I think you have to get paid for it to be a job. Well, we're we're hey, working on we're that. Building equity we're building right that. Yeah. Hey, this is just building equity. That's all it is. Equity that's all of goodwill. That's all it is. Uh, at CB4 Productions, as a as a uh, as a question, he said, "What do you think the real conversations are like behind closed doors between the coaches about the team right now? Talking about Nebraska, who is the most vocal out of the staff, and and what does he sound like to you?" And then he goes on uh, to say. Uh, and another question: Do the incoming recruits recruits actually know the microscope they will be underplaying at Nebraska? Hashtag Superfans. So I would say the first. The, I want to ask answer a second part. Like I think most players want that. Like mo, you you'd so much rather play at a place where people are cuckoo over you than people don't give a crap about you. No, is that even a that's not even a thought. You know you want that. You yeah. want to be at a place where it matters. You know, you like the. I know we just we just signed a recruit maybe in the last week or two, and one of the things he says like, "I was at the game, got your butts kicked, but fans stayed there." Yeah. Through the through the fourth quarter. The Ohio, was it the so it was the Ohio State game? Yeah. Yeah. Right. He said because my in my high school like people leave that only the parents stay if you're getting beat. Right. And yeah, I couldn't believe it. Right. Right. So that that's something I think it's obvious like. It maybe affects some recruits more than others, but like to have fans that care that much and it, it it's it's like it's the world to them, like that that matters to these kids. It matters that it matters, like that it's important here. It's a big deal. I, I think that so. I don't know. There there was like a negative connotation to what you said. I, I think that I view that as a total positive. Yeah, total positive. And then, what do you think the real conversation is like behind closed doors between the coaches right now? Well, I mean, I don't know how to like who is the most vocal on the staff. I mean, to me, it's got to be Frost is the most vocal. Um, and, and then the real conversations, I think, are I always feel like there gets a point when coaches get together and you can either sit there and bitch or you can provide solutions. And I think they need to be in the solution business, you know, because these guys need solutions. Now, some of these solutions are schematical. Some of our, some of it's personnel. And then some of it is, is in the form of how to psychologically deal with them. I actually think a lot of them probably center around how they're probably psychologically handling these guys and figuring out, do we need to kick them in the ass? Do we need to build them back up? You know, because I still think, I'd imagine, I don't know, what you think about this. I, I wonder sometimes if you got to remember a lot of these guys have had a lot of different coaches walk through the door and say, trust me, I'll, I'll get it done. You know, do what I tell you to do. I'll get it done. You know, and at least right now, last couple games, it hasn't gone great. And so you wonder if some of the players are feeling like not that they don't they've stopped buying in, but a little bit of that doubt of like, well, it's going to be like it always has been, you know. And so I think making sure they still believe is important. It, it might be half the battle right now, making them believe they're still like 
confidence is an issue right now. Yeah. And I think that's something that everybody is sort of curious about is I don't know that they were expecting confidence to be an issue this year, but getting pummeled by, by Ohio state, I think led to the Minnesota loss. And I, and I still think, I still think that as much as they, they turned around the next week and played well, I still think that fourth quarter of the Colorado game hurt. I think that if they win, they're fragile. I just think like, it's, they're con- like if you know we do this every year and we we go through what happens if X was different, which it's not a great use of your time, but we do it. <laughs> but if they win that game, the next two games are way different, right? I mean, they might be a more confident team going into that game against. I don't think they beat Ohio State, no. But if they can get that game to go different, they maybe they beat Minnesota, right? I mean, you can go down the. You know, down this rabbit hole, all you want, but I do think losing confidence is a real thing, and this offense has lost confidence. Yes, <laughs> and it's like they well, got to find they got to find that and get that back. So I think a lot of the conversations behind closed doors are figuring out how to make sure these guys still believe, believe in themselves, mm-hmm. believe in the mission, believe in what we're doing, all that stuff. And then I always think it's interesting. Not that I I necessarily think that there would be something within this, but we've talked about this before. It's like, where do you draw the line when you're a new coach on instilling who you're going to be when you get it going versus what gives you the best chance to win right now? And, you know, that's a that's an interesting thing to balance from the standpoint of, like, Nebraska hasn't played as fast. Now, a lot of that is because they haven't been getting as many first downs and they don't have as many positive plays. But I wonder if there's not a questioning of like, do we need to alter what we're doing? But some of it maybe is like thinking about some of those things where like, maybe do we need to take some of this stuff out of the playbook? Maybe this, it's like, we're, we can't do that right now kind of a thing. I don't know that in all honesty that, you know, I, I do think that this coaching staff is still, they know th- like I mean, Scott Frost knows this program and knows this state and knows this. You know, he knows what needs to be done about as well as anybody on earth. Yeah, right. Like what it'll take to succeed. No but question. I think even he, if he was sitting here, would say, "I'm still sort of figuring out what that blueprint is." I don't know that he knows exactly what it is. I think he's on the right track totally but i don't think that it's a set in stone deal that we're going to be exactly like this in two years or right. exactly like that right we're going to be like this in offense and like this in defense is how we're going to play i think there is a there is some wiggle room there where we're going to figure that out well and i mean it's, it's going to take time with the with the players we get and with what we figure out like you said what we want our identity to be because there it, it might not be exactly what well, we thought it was going to. They, they might be sitting there saying, "We need X, Y, Z type of players." And after three or four recruiting classes, they're like, "Man, we're just not getting that kind of player to do this." Yeah. But we can do th- this, so let's do something else. Can we always get four or five good receivers? Yeah. I like, mean, that's part of this. You know, if you have a four or five receiver offense, you better have four or five dudes. You better out there. have four or five dudes. So that's something you could do at. Oregon you could do at Central Florida 
arguably Nebraska's a better program historically, but the recruiting aspect of that is harder in 2019. Yes. Yeah. So that's where it's going to be interesting to see. Well, maybe we will hit the recruiting trail and we'll get the guys we need. Or maybe we sort of go, it's, it is going to be harder going forward. We're going to shift a little bit to a little bit more power, a little bit more, you know, more of a run game or a, you know, doing this offense out of maybe with two bigs, maybe right. two tight ends, right. right? You can do that and you can get mismatches then. Potentially. The, the other thing, and then we'll go to the next question. The other thing I wonder if they're thinking about is playing young guys. Like if they're in the mode where it's like. That's a good question. So this is, so give me your thoughts because this is the tough one that I'm, that's going through my mind right I, now. It, it, if they're thinking, you know what, we're, we, maybe they've realized it. I don't know. And I mean, what's funny about this was oh, 14 days ago, we were talking about Nebraska potentially going to Indianapolis. So you don't want to like sit here and like, you know, ride the wave too much here. Like Frost said, it's never as bad or as good as you think. But I wonder if they are thinking all of a sudden, we don't got a team that's good enough to go to the to go to Indianapolis. So do we need to totally be in future? We we need to be in the future mindset and and get some of our younger guys experience. So when next year and year three, year four, we're ready to rock. I think that's one of those things that's easy to say sitting in a screened in deck drinking wine. <laughs> But you know what I mean? Like, at, like as Nick, I, I'm, well, so I'm going to answer, like, I think it's easy to be parts. like, I'll tell you what I'd do is I'd play Johnny Freshman, Johnny Redshirt Freshman, Ted Sophomore, and, Je you know, like. When you're drinking wine in the screen porch, a lot of You got all the easy answers, to right? say. I can tell you what. But, but you, you're going to, okay, against Wisconsin, you're going to trot out a guy that you but know that's, that's isn't it, ready. Though. So here's the thing is, like, I don't think you can play any game that's not your best opportunity to win that game. That's how I think. And so. If these guys aren't beating them out in the regular practice setup, it doesn't make any sense to play anybody that's not the best player at that moment. Unless they are doing something Monday through Friday that jeopardizes the culture and the foundation you're trying to instill. Does that make sense? Like the older, like, you're saying if, an older if, guy? If, 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 I'm just throwing out these names. If Mo Berry... And he's not because he's a you know he's and like Mo's but but I'm just throwing, that's why he's the perfect guy to throw out because you know he's not. But if Mo Berry Monday through Fridays being a bitch and not working hard and not doing it over, sure. then then you maybe go as long as long For as sure. the if guys that, that are falls, doing. See that falls into like the culture you're trying to build, like right. the best player, the best the best work ethic, like those things get rewarded. What I'm saying though is like if if the young guy's more talented and he hasn't shown that he's can make the right plays in practice is, you know, like all the things that you need to show in practice, which usually the older guys just do better. Right. Like if he's not showing those things, I don't want to play that guy just because he's the future. Right. And you, so that's the thing you, you balance with that, that conversation. And I nine out of 10 times always end up going, it, I, I want to play the guy that's deserved it, which right. is usually the older guy. And you're then you're sacrificing the reps, but you know the the one thing we do have is this red shirt rule. You can play these. And you can guys tinker around with it, and you can at least get. But I feel get like on that, the field. I feel like that rule was more instituted for what Luke McCaffrey had to do against Northwestern. Mm -hmm. Like, think about that. Think how stupid the rule is. Burn that do you shirt. understand? Luke McCaffrey came in for one play because Noah Vedra lost his helmet, ran 
a off tackle quarterback draw and then left the field. That would have that was year gone. That's so dumb. That's dumb. That's that's really dumb. Okay. Um. All right. Uh. At D one nine seven zero mark. So D nineteen seventy mark. If you could play football at another Big Ten school, where would you choose? Nick quarterback, Bo linebacker. You may go first. We should both say none. Are we are we loyal like We're that? Loyal. Let's be loyal. Okay, but then who do we respect? We won't play for anybody else. But who do we respect? I know where I'm playing. Where are you playing? I'm playing in Wisconsin. I was gonna say Wisconsin. <laughs> I, well, especially you know my game. I know you're you're like a you kind of like play like TJ Watt. Like you're like a you kind of play like those backers. Well, they they have good. They, they have got, good outside backers. Well, they just got good linebackers. They've had good linebackers for a decade. And they're smart. They know you, the game. You know who had great linebackers was that 0-3, the 5 Ohio State linebackers. Who, who give me one. A.J. Hawk. Oh, yeah. Uh, Bobby Carpenter. Oh, And yeah. I think the, what was the guy's name? Uh, we used to laugh James about Laronitis? It. No. Well, Laronitis was, the, was a year or two later. Um, what was his name? He's the middle line. But those guys, there was three of them. They were great for a year. I'm right. talking they were great. I used to watch them on film and be like, dang, those guys are great. <laughs> well, my, and anybody that watched me play, I I'm like a, uh, I'm a Wisconsin quarterback. I'm an under center, power, like play action, accurate. That was how I played football. Yeah, not so, the rifle, but just like you knew I, how to – The furthest thing from a rifle. You knew how to manage and win I a was game. a game manager, you know, play yeah. action, hit the tight end. That was my game. So we would – we, Nebraska would be the answer, but he has another we, school. The answer is we would not play for another school because it's sacrilegious. There you go. But we respect certain schools. Yeah, we respect that. We respect Wisconsin. I don't I care what everybody say. Like I respect Wisconsin. Wisconsin linebackers respect. I respect those guys. Um, all right, Charlie on Twitter says: Were there any childhood fights between you, Bo, and Barrett? Um, me and you never. You and I literally never got into a fight. It's a we've been best friends our whole life since. Birth. Imagine laying two infants side by side. That's pretty much what We've we were. Been, our, our dads and mothers were friends. Yeah. We were put together, and we said, that's for sure my best friend. I'm so, going to go with that guy right there. We've been friends, and, and we've been pretty amazing. We, went to, we never fought. No. And really, we, we were competitive with sports, but we always found a way to not, try our best to not guard each other which is much. weird because i don't I, we knew I think we, we knew were so that, competitive right that it would that get it wouldn't it wouldn't be good it's better to be in the same team with right each other. but yeah so you and i never really you got and barrett into, never fought no, i never got into a fight with barrett me and barrett we had our we well mix it up i there were two, there were i have two good stories with that and then maybe you have another one internally a me and barrett story yeah uh well the the first one was bo and i had this you know when you're like fucking seven years old we had created this thing called Nick and Bo Talk. I was like five. Oh, we were like five or six <laughs> years five, old. Yeah. And so it was it was gibberish that we claimed we understood each other. You know, we'd be like, oh, good, blah, blah, and then Bo would be like, oh, good, blah, blah. Yeah. And we we claimed we knew we were doing, but we, it was literally just to fuck with Barrett. Yeah. And and Barrett wanted to be a part of Nick and he was like, can be Nick, <laughs> Bo, and Barrett talk. And we wouldn't let Barrett be a part of Nick and Bo oh, talk. Oh, poor Barrett. That pissed him off. Uh, and then there's the infamous story I've told it a million times. State championship game, overtime. Bo Rood, I'm the quarterback. Bo Rood's the fullback because Dane Todd got hurt. And so we had to play 
how much did you weigh? Uh, 180 pounds. You were six you were three, sophomore six three one eighty fullback. Yeah. With with why did you was your was your were your pants too? Why did you have like tape on because one? Because Southeast pant? never bought new jerseys <laughs> for 15 years. We wore the same uniform. So so kids I now, never understood. Did that. you know kids now get new uniforms every year? No. So we so most schools kids get their own jerseys, new uniforms. Southeast had. These raggedy, oh, they're horrible rags, basically that they use for 15 years, and we were winning state championships and they're doing all horrible. this stuff, and they wouldn't buy us new uniforms. So I had a, a these. Pants. Was it a hole? Yeah, it was a hole. I had to tape the hole. Okay, I never knew why. I, I was like, the why pad, you... the pad would basically fall out. An exposed pad. <laughs> I had a, I had an exposed thigh pad that if I didn't tape it, it was ex- you know I'm like that's how bad. What's, it was. What stage of the game did you get inserted in? Maybe it was second maybe. half, right? I, I don't really. Re- my memories. So, anyways, we go to over. We ended up going to double overtime, but we go to overtime with Creighton Prep. It's cold as fuck. In November. I mean, it was so cold. cold. I had. I tell people I had a pouch, and anytime I got hit, hand warmers would just go like everywhere. <laughs> I had like. Fi- I don't even understand. Like my old plan was, I put so many hand warmers. If you'd have cracked an egg and put it in my pouch, it'd have been like scrambled eggs. Order up. <laughs> what do you want here? What do you want here? You want over, you want over medium? What do you want here? Uh, and we, got, we can do. We can do an omelet in here. Whatever you want to do. But so we go to overtime and first overtime, like first down, Barrett gets down to like the two. Third, second down, we we run just like an ISO and Barrett bounce. Barrett tried to bounce it outside and he ends up getting like a four or five yard loss. And we're walking back to the huddle. Mind you, this is overtime of the state championship football game. <laughs> Memorial State overtime. Bo. Says to Barrett as they're walking back to the huddle, Barrett, you can't do that. And Barrett, Mr. Even Keel, like Barrett was super, never, never got up, never. Barrett goes, shut the fuck up, shut up, Bo, shut the fuck up, and just loses his mind on you to the point where I had to like, I was the only one because I'd known you guys for, I had to like literally like separate you guys and like yell at you in the huddle. You know what though? He should have ran that thing up and he bounced it and lost yards. He bounced yardage. it and lost yards, and I just he should have known better. And I was his younger, scrawny. <laughs> he was the best player in the state by a mile. By a mile, and I'm a scrawny <laughs> sophomore who gets inserted. I tell him, "You can't hey, man, do that. Did you run it up in there and stick it up." <laughs> Just talking he, shit. He looked like Maurice Wa- He bounced oh, it like Maurice Washington, like, and he needed a Dietrich Mills that thing. Yeah, I wanted him just stick it up in there, and you know, don't oh. lose yard. And so he, you know, it's funny because Barrett. If you know, if Barrett, you know Barrett, he never loses his cool. He never yells it. He never yells a soul in his life. No, but because I was his brother and his younger brother. You know, kind of pops his mouth a little bit. Oh, it was, he it was lost amazing. His mind. Okay, do you is there anything growing up? Did you guys ever really get into it? We would fight. We sort of had the brother rule of like you fight, you don't punch in the face, but everything else is free go, right? Like brothers who punch each Isn't other. Isn't that weird? Face, like you fight, but it's understood that don't like punch him in the face. no one punches. Who punches their brother in the face? Oh, there's some out there. We got some listeners out there like you yeah, right here. Yeah. It's like <laughs> listening from So you're telling cell, me cell block four. <laughs> yeah, so so all those uh, those folks over on uh, 13th and Old Cheney, uh, <laughs> the pan at the local pan, they locked up in the pan, uh, punching your brother in the face. Like, oh yeah, basis. totally fair game. Not normal, but you would never understood. Uh, yes. Understood. 
you don't punch your bro in the face. But so, yeah. okay, so you guys anything would, goes. So we I mean, but see, me and Barrett, we we got along. You guys got along great, great. But you know, just like because you guys are how you're eighteen, how many months apart? Uh, fifteen. I mean, think about that. Close. We're real close. Um, but yeah, we we rarely fought. But when we did, it was like you know. <laughs> Everything goes but punch in the face. But Bo is the king of doing shit. Like, if Bo and Barrett, now you never do this to me. Because again, we had this thing, like, but if Bo and Barrett, because I'd hear these shows from Barrett, like, Bo and Barrett would go play basketball in the driveway and they'd be playing one on one or something like that. And Bo would, like, if Bo hit a sweet step back J, Bo would be like, that's it, game winner, game winner, 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 and run inside and not, and like, be done. And that's the kind of thing that would make Barrett, like, that's a little kill brother you. syndrome that yes. every little brother has. Can you believe that my Nick Ba and Alex Ba played Bo Rude and Barrett Rude in two on two football? No, no, you challenged us. Yes, and I think it was your brother Alex Ba who was the oldest. <laughs> Al Ba was how many years older than us? I mean, he's four years older than us, so two years older than Barrett. Yeah, and so we were probably me and you were probably ten. Ten. He was probably fourteen or fifteen, and Barrett was probably eleven. Yeah, and you two, the Ba brothers, challenged the Rude brothers to football. <laughs> And Al Ba was pretty adamant, probably. That he Al still win. thought he was, yeah, like, it was a horrible decision. We went to, remember that open, the the one big lot next to your house? We went yeah. and played there, and you guys fucking killed us. <laughs> I remember leaving like, damn. Like, I knew you guys were good, though. That's the only thing. But, like, I wonder if it, there was an element of, like, sheesh. I think Al Ba thought that he... I think it was more humbling for Al. When you're, like, 15 and you're getting shit handed to you by, like, a 12-year-old. Yeah. He's probably 11 years old. Oh, God. That's not good. <laughs> um, Alan, I thought about you. I don't have a great answer for this, but I, I, I'm, I'm going to play off you. Okay. Alan wants to know, in the Gladiator Arena... What would be your go-to weapon, and what would be the one that you would avoid, and why? Now, what weapons are there? You got the, you got a sword. No, no guns, obviously. Well, yeah, this I is mean, gladiator time, so you so got to have is, like metal, sharp metal objects. Um, so you have a sword. I think. What is it called? What are the things that spin that have spikes on the ball? I know you. I'm, I'll be like, "What's up, dude, motherfucker?" So a part of me wants. Like, uh, not too long, but at least 10 feet in a spear so that whatever it is, <laughs> you better, you better not get, like, whatever you got. You're going to be like a be porcupine? Long. Yeah. You're you really? better not be close to me because I will stab you from 10, 10 feet. <laughs> <laughs> You're not getting close to me. Oh. I mean, I got 10 but if, feet. <laughs> but if you... <laughs> I know you respect that. Uh, uh, I mean, if, it's like, who's going to choose? Like, I'll choose the two-inch knife. Or I'm going to be Raphael. Yeah, with the two-inch knife. Uh, but no, the 10-foot the ten ten foot foot spear. spear. But you better get him on that, because then once they get inside the 10-foot spear, yeah, you're kind it of becomes hand-to-hand. -hand, you're done. I'm going with the Ryan Mallet with spikes. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? What's that called? What is that thing called? The big ball The big the ball chain. with ball and chain. The wife. I'll take the wife. <laughs> the old Kim Ba, you I'll mean? I'll take it's the ball the, and chain. The old ball and chain? You went with the 10-foot spear. So you would avoid the guy with the 10-foot spear then, you, obviously. And I'd avoid the they, mallet. They might send out like a tiger or something. We don't know. Is it a person or is it a yeah, tiger? And you're, uh, when, against the tiger. But I is the 10-foot spear really going to stop the tiger? I don't think uh, that's stopping the tiger. Yeah, he'll be. 
Yeah, He'll be done. pawing at it. I mean, whoa, boy. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> Easy, boy. Down. Is it a horse? I think that the problem with the spinny ball and the chain is like, like while you're winding it up, things happen. <laughs> like, okay, hold on. Let me Look, wind this let, thing up. Let me, let, me, let me make it abundantly clear. <laughs> if I am in this, I am Dante Hall. I'm just like, I'm trying to not, I'm You're like, it's a war of attrition. I'm trying to like, let everybody else do a thing. And I'm going to act like I'm kind of involved, but not. And I'm just running away. Oh, so you're saying there's more than one of us right now. I figured there's, there's 10 people out. In terms of my mind, I'm envisioning like WWF Royal Rumble. <laughs> Is that not totally accurate? I, it could be. There were a few of those. That's the 10 foot spear, Bo Rude. I'm going with the Ryan Mallet wife. That's what I'm going with. Ball, ball and, chain. and chain. That's what the old ball and chain, huh? Uh, Husker Hog Seven uh, on Twitter says, "If you and Bo did the Oklahoma drill and one on one to ten, who wins overall? It's a, a draw. You would destroy. So I think he's saying if we did the Oklahoma drill and did played one on one. Oh, and one on one basketball. Yeah. Oh." You might fucking beat me in one on one now. You're well, in so much better shape than me. You so you and Jake were the only two guys in my life that I couldn't beat in one on one basketball. <laughs> and I mean that. I never lost in my life in one on one basketball. Right. Except for you and Jake were the only guys I couldn't beat, basically. Yeah. And, and I can, so and the I idea know. that I would be able to like I mean you would hurt football, me in the like that the, that's yeah. well, and it's dumb. Like so I could, it's weird. It's weird you ask that question because I've got the only question I received, which uh, I didn't send an email, but a friend of ours, Mr. Matthew Mullins, sent oh, no. this question in today for you. For me, okay. He says, so he goes, it's called the Nick Ba Pick Your Poison. <laughs> and so I don't know what the the repercussions is if you lose this any of these battles oh, or whatever, but right. there's a repercussion. But you basically have to choose one of these three options that you think you would do the best in. But here's your choices. Three consecutive kickoffs facing off against Brand Bergoni as a wedge breaker. Number two, Oklahoma drill against Richie Incognito oh, on the goal line, and you are the defensive player. Oh, God. Number three, you are the offensive player reversed Oklahoma drill on the goal line versus Indomitian Sue with his ears pinned back in parentheses. You have to pick your poison of those three options. Which one do I choose and why? Which one do you choose that you think you would win on and there's repercussions if you don't win? Well, here's the scariest thing is I'm not so sure that the with the Rigoni. So basically it's one on one Rigoni screaming down and gonna hit me. Wedge breaker. So I have to take on Rigoni. Like I'm I'm so I'm not returning the kickoff. I You're have to the wedge. Oh, He's no. the wedge breaker. I, I would never win that. You have to do it though. I know, but I'm saying I would never win that. <laughs> but then it's Richie Incognito. The idea that so I'm like I would have to take on Richie and shed him. You're doing the Oklahoma drill against Richie. <laughs> or I'm the offensive ball carrier. Richie from real sports in the yeah. backseat of the going <laughs> ballistic. Or and then or it's in Dominican Sue and am I the running back or am I the now the offensive lineman? Then you go to the offense, Oklahoma drill. See, well, I guess and, I, and then Dean, I guess it's not Oklahoma drill if you're on a goal line situation, but it's similar, right? It's it's one on one essentially. You just gotta here, hold up. 
where could you win the best? Like, where you have to pick your poison. What are you choosing? Well, as crazy as it sounds, people are like, you hear like an all pro, all pro NFL lineman versus me or like Ragoni. Like, but Ragoni, there's something about when you get a 40 yard sprint. So that that's when I read that, that's to me, I go, the best chance to win is the wedge breaker because you are potentially bigger than Ragoni, but that's going to hurt the most. Yeah, like I'm going with pain. That that one potentially, hurt, like I get injured the most from you that. You know one. how you get CTE? You go against Ragoni against the wedge. Have you ever seen when two Rams just <laughs> like that's what that is? That's that. So that's the scariest by a mile. Even though Richie and Sue like that thought's not fun. The Ragoni breaking the wedge is probably the biggest scariest moment. See, and in some ways, I'm not so sure that because boom. I know that it could inflict the most injury, like like create the biggest injury, I'm not more afraid of that one than any of the other. Like the other two are going to hurt. You could like, maybe win that. I don't know if you could. Oh man, I don't think I win. Like honestly, I just don't. I don't. I don't see how I can conjure up in my mind a way I win any of those scenarios. Ragoni would. Ragoni break my my collarbone. You or just, KO me. What have you brought all your you brought all your might? Can you can you olay him? <laughs> hey, you gotta block him. Oh, uh, I, I I guess I'd go Ragoni because it's like who would choose Richie or Sue? You can't win those two. I, those are gonna hurt less, but if Ragoni hits you and hits you right, you're really hurt. How am I getting past Richie Incognito or blocking and Sue? I don't know. It's not happening. So I choose Ragoni. I choose Ragoni. That's a bad choice, isn't it? It's horrible. Absolutely horrible. Um, Josh says, uh, favorite TV series and or top five TV series. You and I are both Simpsons guys from, but we always caveat this, from 1992 to 99. Yeah. The best show ever for seven years. Simpsons, 92, 99. Other good shows. Are you as big of a Seinfeld guy? I really like Seinfeld, but I'd take The Office over Seinfeld. I'm t- I'm like I still feel like I don't know. I, the Office is incredible. Office is incredible. Um, we'll just go comedy. So let's go Simpsons, Office, Seinfeld. Uh, for me, I, I to this day when I when I stumble upon it, I am tickled by Fresh Prince of Bel Air in a way that is just. I, I think all those characters are fantastic. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is in my top five. That, that doesn't make my top five. I definitely enjoy it. Um, what am I forgetting? I mean, Curb Your Enthusiasm is up there. South Park's up there. They've lasted. They've, they've, I mean, they've been, they've been. I remember when they came on in, what, like, 97? Yeah, I mean, they've passed the, the test of time. I mean, those shows have been on for a long time uh, for comedies. Um, See, but I I enjoyed shows like Family Matters and <laughs> I enjoyed Family Matters. You know what's amazing is there's not there's not episodes that really stand out to me. I just remember Steve Urkel would become. You don't remember when Urkel got Urkel got drunk, didn't he? And did the well, the, he did. Well, he did the Urkel dance on top of the roof. Yeah, but like they, there's not episodes that stand out to me yeah. as much as it's just like it was fine to watch. Um, God, what else? What are we missing here? I mean, a Family Guy. Uh, you have. We're talking top five. For me, I would probably go. I'd probably go Simpsons, Seinfeld, Office, Fresh Prince, and 
The Saturday Night Live. Count? I mean, if you want to, let's throw that in there. Then it would be Saturday Night Live. I think that was a. That's. I mean, that's an. They've created more iconic, hilarious moments. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Really I mean, watch I mean, Saturday it right Night Live. Now. Saturday Night Live is ingrained in comedy culture. Like when you describe comedy to someone. Let me ask you this: When like, or are you still watching Saturday? Night? I haven't watched Saturday Night Live in a while. Like, when, Just did, you st- when did you kind of fade out? Actually, probably like the past, like, I don't, two things I don't like. I, I've gotten to the point where, like, it's a tough road to go down, but uh, I, when, I don't like when they bring in outsiders as much. I feel like they bring in outsiders to do Trump what, but that's and what all, the, like. the cast can't do right like, now. To, to me, that's a sign your cast isn't good enough. There, like if no you have to bring point. in Alec Baldwin to do Trump every week, you aren't good enough. Yeah, so like that's my that's my struggle with you can say what you want. People sometimes just blame it on the times we're living, which I don't disagree with all the way. I think we're living in a really odd time for comedy. It's a right. really weird place, right? But I also think if you got talent and that show has always had talent. It's always had a few people that are just, wow, they're talented. Wow, they're funny. Wow, this guy tickled. Like there was always, right. and there was always a nice little variety. Like some people like that person. Some people like that person. Yeah, you a Farley guy. You a Sandler guy. You a you a Spade you guy. A spade, you like yeah. the snarky. You like Mike dude. Myers. Like yeah, you was, had your you you always had a guy that that you know or a girl that was. Funny. You know, it's like that guy's a star. So right now it's that that Kate McKinnon's a star. And I go, I look around the rest of that show and I kind of just go, it's all sort of like, yeah, it's like I get it. It's, it's fine. It, it's all fine. Right. It, these people aren't untalented. They're just, there's not many people that are, have that it factor where they're really stand out funny, worth even watching to me. I, I would say the other thing is, I, I think doing bits and sketches around politics have always been a part of the show but i think the essence of the show are hilarious reoccurring stupid things yeah whether it's you know the spartan cheerleaders uh whatever you know like those are the, like the, the only thing i think that's funny now is when kate mckinnon's that girl at the at bar the, at the last call of the bar yeah, yeah. the last call of the bar and she gets drunk and yeah. she's just yeah it's she's great. game <laughs> And it seems like, and it seems like all this, it's like, it's too much. It's almost like too much politics. It seems like now in our world more than ever, we need like kind of a break from politics. Agreed. And I like, to me, they should be more, I mean, a lot of the dumb, think how stupid was it? Matt Foley, the motivational speaker is, or how stupid, uh, Simon, the kid in like this bathtub how stupid Wayne's world was. They don't turn into it like, yeah, you need, you need things like that more. And, and even weekend update, which I think weekend updates funny. And the guys that do it are very good at it, but it sounds the last, maybe three or four different weekend update hosts are all exactly the same. It's the yeah, same it's, cadence. It's the same thing. Like you go back to Norm McDonald and Norm was bizarre. Yes. Norm was just, his jokes were just so unique to Norm. They made no sense if they were it wasn't Norm. No, no one you can't so recreate silly. Norm McDonald. Yeah, but so now there's a cadence. It's they follow the cadence and the jokes work and it's funny. I will laugh. I'll laugh and be like, "That's okay," but it's not. 
Nobody's they're a all star. trying to be Seth Myers. Because it sounds the same as Seth Myers. And but like even Kevin Nealon had a had a very unique kind of style. It was Kevin Nealon. So Kevin yeah. Nealon, and then you had Norm, and you know Jimmy. Colin and, Quinn. I think Jimmy and, and Tina Fey set that tone that even Seth Myers sort of took right. over. But that's been the tone since right. you know early to mid two thousands. So it's been fifteen years of the same tone. You go. That's great, but that's not nobody's worth watching because totally it's agree. the same joke. It's the same cadence. Totally agree. Where Norm, Kevin Nealon, you know, Dennis Miller, Colin Quinn, Dennis Miller with Chevy Chase up here with this. It's just hey babe, hey, hey babe. babe. There was more margaritas in the floor of a It's just <laughs> it was unique though. They're right. unique guys, and I think that's what Saturday Night Live is missing. It's like people being able to be unique. Now they're trying to fit a prototype rather than create their own thing. Yeah, it's two, hard. I, two other things I would throw. Uh, I mean, you throw Chappelle show in there. You but th- Chappelle show was two, two seasons, seasons, but it was just you was, can't. You can't. Uh, that's where to me there's a all time. You there's got to be a little bit more longevity. Longevity. Yeah. You gotta have a little bit more. Uh, you don't care a, about rapping. It's one of my things with Biggie. People put Biggie in like greatest rapper all the time. It's like you gotta have more than two albums. You gotta have more than two albums to be the greatest of any one genre. Like you can't be the greatest yes. rock band of all time and have it, two albums can't. or one album. I mean, uh, Nirvana's kind of a. I mean, there's a reason. Well, I guess they're the same as as as. Yeah, you die. Biggie, Tupac, in it. Yeah. But you Tupac die. had Tupac had Tupac has like tw- ten albums. So Tupac has more, but so let's look. Let's look at Tupac, Biggie, Nirvana, Jimi Hendrix. Those guys are all comparable. Where they've had they had two or three albums. Well, I guess not Tupac. Not Pac. Pac. Like Pac had a lot of. But the, the the other three, like you can't put them in your top all time because the longevity. Longevity is a part of it, dude. The the catalog of totally. material, especially for music, is so small because. Totally. And, and here's what happens. Here here's. The, Here's the key to me, especially with music, is your first album or two is usually most people's. I'd say especially rap. Oh, rap for sure. Rock sometimes. Um, it's usually your best stuff. Because it took your life to make it. Yeah, so so everything up to that point in your life goes into those first things, your best stuff. You, you're trying to make it. Right. And that's usually your best. The great, great, great ones do that, and they somehow keep making it for 10 or 20 years more past that, which puts you in another stratosphere where the first two, there's been a, a decent amount of people that have one good album, one two or good two albums. good albums, and then they that's and then their creative pool sort of dries yes. up. Totally. And, and it's the same thing for anything else, TV, sports. And, it's even the thing with like, uh, in sports too, when people are talking about in golf, like this guy uh, Jordan Spieth's the next Tiger. It's like, okay, Spieth had a good year, you know, or a good year. Like, n- let's ha- have a good five years, have a good six That's straight it. years, it, have a good so, like the, the the to maintain elite level anything right. is so hard. It's we, so freaking hard. Whether it's sports, whether it's music, whether it's you know movies and TV show entertainment things like. It's so freaking hard. Yeah, totally. I mean, so it's, these people that can do it for a long time and keep—it's and keep, amazing. That's the that's the part that 
I don't know if that gets enough credit, but it's amazing. Okay, we got a tangent. We need, fill me up. All right, I'm, a, I'm the, fill, the wine fill me pour. Up, I'm gonna fill you. I, I don't know what I, you know. I've never really got your thoughts on this. I mean, I don't know how much you have thoughts on on this specifically, but uh, Fletcher wants to know, and I figured we'd kind of balance this thing. What are realistic expectations for Nebraska basketball this year? How much time will the mayor need to get this thing churning? You and I haven't talked a ton. You and I don't talk. You we talked the other day. You don't really like. You're, you're not as the one and done has kind of killed your interest in college basketball to a certain extent, um, which I, I get. I, I mean, I'm the wrong guy to talk to because it's like I, you know, I'm immersed in college basketball, so I you're love college, college basketball. basketball. But I understand that, like, I mean, college basketball is it as good today as it was in the mid '80s? No, I mean, because like again, what people don't understand if you're young, if you're young and you're listening to this, like, so think about Zion, R.J. Barrett, and Cam Reddish, right? Everybody's all excited about them. Now imagine those guys play together for like three more years. That's what college basketball used to be. Yeah. Now it's not like that. So, but you, so you fall, we, we don't talk, it's oddly enough, you and I don't talk a lot about college basketball. I'll maybe, sometimes you'll ask me, like, give me one, like, sometimes you'll ask me, who's, who's a guy I need to watch this year? Who, and I remember a couple of years ago, I was like, you're going to like Lonzo Ball, dude. You need to watch Lonzo. He really knows how to pass. Chris like, Dunn. Chris you Dunn. Give me yeah, a like, I've given you a couple a guys that I watch, but here, here's my problem is, is then when I watch college basketball, I watch for one player that might be like plain special. Right. Doug. Where, yeah. So, the, the, you know, when Zion was on, I tuned in. Yeah. That, that was my college basketball season last year. But right now, I'm having a really hard time enjoying watching teams because every year, it's essentially a whole new team. Yeah. I mean, Kentucky, every, this year, every team, Bo, it's a new team. Kentucky, North Carolina, Kansas. Or to Kentucky, North Carolina, Duke basically have brand new teams every year, and every team is doing this. And even Nebraska, it's like we're, we have so much turnover every year; it's unbelievable. Well, and especially this year, it's like to, to answer Fletcher's question. I don't even. know. I was with Jake. I played golf with Jake Milas the other day, and you know, we were in the car and we were talking, and I, we were talking about Nebraska basketball. And it's like it's hard. I get people asking me, "Hey, what do you think of Nebraska this year?" I'm like, I, "Like, give me a couple of games. Get like they have eleven new players. Like, I don't know." I don't, I don't know, know what one, I don't know one guy in their team right now because they're all new and I I guess for me it's like it's so much easier in college football to be like well I've heard these names since they've right. been recruited I've watched them sort of like you know sneak into games and then you know you, you watch this cycle of people and it makes more sense you 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 grow with this sure. team you to uh, know, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. So I, uh, I it, hope Nebraska basketball gets to the point where, you know, we have a bunch of good players, you know, either elite players that are one and done or two and done, whatever. That's great to have. Or just really good teams that stick around for a few years, because then you can, you can like yeah, get into it, get into get it in, and yeah. get to know the team and watch, you know, the expectations of like, Oh, this team was good. And then next year we're going to be better. Like, right. they, and you know, the guys, you know, the players, that's my problem right now. Is the, to, I to, struggle when I don't know the player. To answer Fletcher's question, I don't. I mean, I wouldn't put any not not to like cop out on it necessarily, but like I wouldn't really even uh, put anything into this year necessarily. I, I I just, I mean, if they to me if if they would go to the NIT, that's a really good year. I think whenever you play that style, like you're going to really try to play fast, you better have. You better have the personnel and the horses to be able to, to you know. I mean, you're going to play Michigan State and go up and down the floor against Cassius Winston. You better have the yeah. players to do it. Um, so I just, I, I don't, 
I, I view this year as just establishing a style of play. Um, I'm really excited to see what this young point guard Cam Mack looks like. I've heard he's – I mean, Fred Hoiberg was quoted he's the fastest player he's ever coached with the ball, which is like, holy shit. I mean, and Jake, when watching practice, said he's the same thing. Like, I'm excited. I got my uh, – I'm doing some BTN games. Yeah. I got – at least right now, I got a three BTN Nebraska games, so I'm excited oh, awesome. to be able to go watch those and call those games. Um the mayor's gonna, it's going to take the mayor three years at least to get this thing really fully humming, man. I, I mean, it's no different than Frost. Like, when you have the mayor here, there's, there is a sense of accomplishment in that. Like, we, we've got the coach. I think the fan base needs to really, really understand that it's not going to get better than the mayor. And you need to embrace that and to support that and give this guy time and give him all the support in the world to build this program up. Cause like, man, like we got, we've got just like Frost, we've got the guy. I mean, he's a rock star. I mean, we've Fred Hoiberg is, we've got two rock star head coaches for football and basketball at Nebraska that have Nebraska ties, Midwestern guys. They're young. They're going to, they could be here for 20 or 30 years. Like, there was a CBS God. sports poll to all the coaches in the country asking who is the best hire this year in college basketball. And, mm-hmm. and the best by like a fairly wide margin was Fred Hoiberg at Nebraska. So that, you know what? That's, that's other coaches saying that guy can coach. That guy can coach and kudos, Nebraska. You stole, you yes. stole a guy that. So, this is going to help. You I'm big so time. pumped. I'm so yeah. pumped to watch him. I cannot wait. Um, Lucas wants to know how cur- how concerned should we be that the staff? I'm curious. Get, how concerned we should be that should we be that the staff have badly misjudged this team, particularly the offense, out of fall camp? There's this thing going around that you know because Frost was quoted as saying, "Hey." Uh, Given quotes about how much better they are, and and he had quotes in before he even coached the game saying, "Hey, year two, it's going to take off. We're going to compete for our side of the division. All those sorts of things." Uh, and people are saying, "Oh man, they misjudged it." I mean, okay, if you want to look at it that way, you can. But I also think, to a certain extent, what is he supposed to say? Oh, we suck. We're 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 not good, dude. Our players stink. It's gonna. We got to wait till all these guys are gone. You know, like so. I don't. I mean. I think to answer Lucas's question, I don't think you should be con- – I, I think it's more – it's not misjudging the talent. I'd say it's more misjudging the whole scope of it. I do think – and like Dirk wrote in his column, like th- stop and put yourself in Scott Frost's shoes for a second. This guy's entire life, everything he's ever been around and touched, it is just <laughs> taken off and won. So when that's the case, imagine your life, you've just – you were a player, you won a national championship, and then all the different things you did, coaching, led you to Oregon, Oregon took off, and then boom, you go to Central Florida, and two years you go undefeated. You'd get, like, it's understood that you'd be like, well, why would this be different? Well, And he left He left a program to go to a better program. Right. So he didn't go to a worse program. He went to, so, you know, quote-unquote, a blue-blood program. This is a national championship-winning program that was – that's like it's up there with the elite of the elite. Like all time wins in college football were in the top top five, five ever. Right. So that's a step up. That's like saying like, well, I'm at Central Florida and I'm going to go to Kentucky. Right. I'm going to go to North Carolina. I'm going to go. And even though we're not there now, like that's who we were for 30, 40 years. Right. And so like for him to say, I'm going to go there and expect 
the bottom of the barrel. It's hard to do that. Well, I just, but don't you think? I think. So, I think they. I I'd imagine they came in and probably thought, be, because of what we've always done. I and you're always comp like to be a coach to be a player. You think you're really good. Like you cannot be a head coach. You cannot be a player without thinking you're really good. Or thinking we're gonna. Get or better. thinking we're gonna get better. And so, if anything, I think they maybe like. They came in with a warped sense of, I don't want to say reality, but a warped sense of what this was really going to be like. And they also maybe they maybe underestimated, A, how bad things have fallen, yeah, and B, how, how much better the Big Ten has so, gotten. So that, that probably is the, the one thing that never gets brought up is... Right. Their process for rebuilding a team is probably better than it was even at Central Florida. Mm-hmm. The difference is the the competition and the the level of coaching they're going against is at such a different degree than it was in the, the Central Florida, which is the American AAC, yeah, American Athletic American, Conference, American Athletic Conference. So AAC. When you're playing it, as East Carolina, and yeah, that, no disrespect, yeah, but like they were these coaches that we got. With the sort of, you know, like the talent wasn't out of control at Central Florida, but, you know, they had some some good guys. And with those with this coaching staff's ability, they were running circles around those teams Dude, in a short different. time. I don't care what anybody short, says. And, and I'll I'll note this. Everything went right. Yes. Everything went right for them. And it all sort of snowballed in the right direction, which. Anybody that's played sports knows that's a real thing. Yes. You can say you control everything. And you I'd know, the whole, say, we're a team of destiny. It's like we're meant to I'm be. Just all you, the- some years the ball bounces one way and some years the ball bounces the other. Some years you get injured, some years you don't. You can never explain. We always say the football gods are fickle. Like, yeah. That's a real thing, right? And this year, last year, I would say the football gods were not shining on Nebraska. I agree, and so I don't think, I don't think it's that they misjudged the talent. I think they misjudged the other talent, meaning the the rest of the Big how Ten. Good how good, up, how all, good the other coaches, how good the other coaches were, all that stuff. And then I think they maybe miss miss, and maybe I guess it's misjudged, like misjudged how bad it was before they before they really got in there. And sometimes you don't know what you got until you get into a game. To a certain extent, like the, the whole and, practice, you know, ours versus theirs, one on ones, and practice get a, is not yeah. the same as playing when you show up and play a hungry Minnesota team, right? right. So, you know, we talked about this, you know, post Minnesota game. I, I, I've been on this thought now for a whole week. Is that I, I was looking up that dang recruiting classes. It's a good point. Who who's who's contributing from each of those years? In our 2015, our 2016, and especially 2017, who's got almost nobody contributing from a whole recruiting class of scholarship guys, like one or two guys from a, the 2017 year are even participating and like helping out. That is the blow that I don't know that anybody else in the Big Ten is dealing with. Well, and, we're dealing with that. And and the other thing is, I remember talking about this in August. It's one thing 
you can bring in a quarterback and remedy that position immediately. You can bring in one running back and remedy that position immediately. The two positions or position groups that you cannot just remedy immediately are offensive line and defensive line. It takes years. Like it takes a minimum of like two, probably more like three years yeah. to really get the, your, those the positions right. The bigger the right. body, the longer it takes to develop the body, right? So Especially those, in this conference. Yeah. I don't think there's, I don't think the two conferences in America where you, it is non-negotiable, you better have some badasses are the Big Ten and the SEC. Like yeah. if you don't have dudes there, it's not going to work out for you. We'd probably be better off if we played in the pack. Oh, right yeah. Now. Yeah. We really would. ACC, or the Big 12. Or the Big 12. We'd yeah. be better off. SEC and Big 10, the talent level and the talent in the trenches is yeah. it's, it's at another place. And totally. That's a reality that we're, we're, we're facing right now. And Hey, I'm feeling good, dog. You feeling good I'm right feeling now? Pretty good. So just to update everyone out there. Where are we at the on the first bottle? Line is is down. We're at one. Tw- we're at an hour twenty right now. And the first bottle's done. We got a couple more sips in each of our glasses. Oh and man, feeling nice. Oh, I feel good. Okay, so keep this thing rolling. This is right in the wheelhouse. Aaron says, "Is Barrett Rude the greatest human being ever, or just the greatest one so far?" Discuss. I think he's a pretty good guy. I'll tell you what, best brother I ever had. He, I mean, he's the best brother you. I may have had only one brother. <laughs> But he's the best damn brother I've ever had. Ed wants to know craziest game or venue each of you has played in. Go first. Craziest game? The craziest game I've ever played in was I played a lot of crazy games. The the craziest game I ever played in was probably senior night against Bradley overtime. We were down, and we can't. It was one of those games like we got up big, and they came back, and then we got down, and then we came back. Went over time. We went like 110, 108. It was a nut. It was a crazy game. But a bunch NIT. We got down like twenty to Rhode Island, and came back and hit a last second shot. The craziest venue I've ever played in. Uh, there's a lot. I mean, Jake and I were talking about this the other day. Like Big Twelve venues were tough. Iowa State's a really tough place to play, um, but. Probably at Southern Illinois on College Game Day. Remember yeah. we talked about that when yeah. uh, they. I mean, the story I always give is I remember during warmups, you you get out there and ba- that's what basketball is great. You can get out there and you can warm up before official warmup start. And there was a little kid in a Creighton, so their student section was already packed. And there was a little kid. This kid was probably like five or six years old. Walked like he trotted over in front of the student section. and He had a Creighton shirt on. We're at Southern Illinois. This kid's like five. Runs over in front of the Southern Illinois student section. These Southern Illinois students are like, boo, boo, get out of here. Take it. They, they are giving it to this five-year-old. And he turns and is like sobbing and sprints back to his parents. And I remember I was warming up. I was standing at half court and I was like, holy shit. It's about to be rocking in here tonight. But so at Southern Illinois is probably the craziest I've ever been in. What about you? Uh you always said A&M was tough, right? Best atmosphere is A&M, 12th man. They'd, they'd do this thing where they'd... they kiss girls, right? I think they'd wrap, you know, they'd wrap their arms and they'd, start, they'd sway back and forth, and it was, it was serious. And it, uh, I always thought that was a really impressive 
fan base. And they, I think they do cheer practice the night before. Oh, really? They all go They in. kiss, right? Or am I tripping? Which place kisses? Uh, Isn't there a place know. that kisses? A lot of those Southern school, you know, it's great move. There was by some the, guy some that guy was like, like, here's the thing. I'm thinking we should just put in kissing. There, there was a guy guys. that was like, I, <laughs> I have no game and I've never <laughs> kissed a girl. What if after every touchdown, we all kiss the girl next to us? That's my vote. Sticking to it. And let's, let me just tell you, that's that's the that's what happened. But there was a guy in the room that wanted more, and they had to they had to temper <laughs> they had to reel that guy. him down. They like, reel that guy back. So here's what I'm thinking. <laughs> Like, come on, Tom. First base. Everybody go Everybody to the first base. Everybody grabs no, the girl next no, to him. Tom. Like, Tom, it's ridiculous stuff right there, all right? Bill, calm like it down, Bill. We need to just touching. kiss. Yeah, that's that's intense picking spots of knowing who you're going to like be next to if you know you're being like, well, you better get next college, to a good-looking chick if you're, you're not going to kiss a, a chick. you a good-looking woman next to you, you're, oh, damn. you're just hoping for like. That'd be fun. If you're single in college and you got and Ricky you're Williams playing, on your team, and you're playing. Yes. <laughs> You're playing. Your offense is like legit, and you got like a dime next to you. I'm like, I'm gonna be kissing this chick the whole game. Freaking great! So is that is that it? A and M. A and M. What's craziest game you ever played? What's that? Craziest game you ever played in? Um, you played a lot of crazy college games. What was the hardest close loss? Texas Tech, Lakeven Smith. Texas Tech and Texas, for sure. Same. 06, uh, Texas? 05, Texas Tech. Or 05, sorry. Lakeven Smith intercepts the ball. And, and we spent the whole offseason because they beat us 70 to 10 the year before. So we were it was revenge time. We spent the whole offseason preparing for it. We make a comeback. Game's over. We pick the ball off. Lakeven gets stripped. And, and, not, and not just that, they, they don't. They still have to score a touchdown, right? And it's fourth down, and this guy like scrambles around, throws like this weird, crazy throw, <laughs> and it goes in between three guys, and they catch it, and it's like it was a the nightmare loss because we we had spent the whole off season, oh my god, preparing For to that. win that game, like changed our whole defense so we could defend this Texas Tech Mike Leach spread, you know, crossing routes. That was their whole thing. Their their tackles and guards had like you know wide splits, all super that. Yeah, wide splits, like, yeah. and so we had to like change. We 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 did everything to prepare for it, and we lose it. You know, talk about the football gods. Like you lose it on that play where you go, you can't make that stuff. Up. I remember why I was in the West Balcony where we sit, and when I watched Lakeven pick it off and run. Like I had an like as did all ninety thousand. We had an out of everybody but Lakeven in the stadium had an out of body experience. You can't make it up. Ah, uh, that's got to be bad. so. So then the Texas game, same thing. Texas. I watched is, that game on TV. Texas I wasn't there. Texas. We had practice. It was snowing. We played a really good. We played a really good game because they were better than us probably. But we because they just came off winning the national title. Yeah. And they had Vince we, Young. Yeah, right. Well, they had Vince, and that year, Colt McCoy was his first year. And Colt was good, but... Fuck yeah, he was good. He he wasn't as good as a, as a young youngster. I mean, time out. The fact that a guy named Colt McCoy was a Texas quarterback is still something that even, like, Hollywood would be like, come on now. So, He's Mac... Like, yeah, like, Hollywood back. This is unbelievable, guys. Mac <laughs> Brown, Colt McCoy is your... Co- so, there's a Texas coach named Mac Brown that... <laughs> talks and looks like a rancher, <laughs> and his quarterback is Colt McCoy. We don't believe you. We don't. Believe we don't you. believe it. Okay, carry on. Sorry. So anyway, you. Colt McCoy. You know they had all their boys. They just won a national title. 
we we're we outplay them in every way. The crowd's so into it. It's snow's falling. It's beautiful. We got the game. It's third and one. We get a first down. The game's over. We run a quick out to Terrence Nunn. Yeah. Our our receiver was supposed to release outside, so the cornerback had to turn and jam him. We get the boom, right? Our receiver releases inside, makes a mistake. So the cornerback is Sees. turned in at Terrence Nunn running the out. Terrence catches the ball at the first down marker, would turn up and would have gotten it. Instead, this is Aaron Ross, a pro. He hits it, knocks the ball out. Two minutes to go. Texas gets the ball back. Then Texas gets a play. They run it down. They so fumble. I can't remember. I can't they remember. Fumble they the fumbled the ball. And we can't jump on it. And they jump on the ball. And then they have it in field goal range, kick a field goal to win the game to beat us. So we had two moments where it's like the game's over. And just the football See, gods the whole, did not want Nebraska to win. See, this is why sports are great. Because the detail, the details of sports are everything. That's it. The detail of something as simple as where am I releasing? Where am I releasing? If you catch an interception and you're up, get down. If uh, like a basketball game, it's like, how you set a pick when you don't the angle you the don't yeah, foul, like, right you know like all those little things in crunch time as much as that's maddening it's that maddening, that, that like it makes the one guy the, the mistake on the inside outside release is is sports that's sports that's what you work on all year long to do to it the n- right way and if you don't you lose and it's like it's it could cost you a whole season yes. i mean alabama I mean, the Alabama versus Auburn, they kicked that field goal. Right. And the the guy, kept, you know, like. That's sports. Alabama wins the national title probably if that play doesn't happen. That's sports, dude. Like that. That's unbelievable. And that I didn't. I, I always never forget what happened on the ensuing drive. I didn't know they fumbled. They fumbled it going in and we couldn't get on. Oh, God. Okay, before you start crying, let's move on. Uh, Paul says, Bo, I remember reading a comment from Phil Elmation once where he said, sacks are overrated. What are your thoughts on that? What? Yeah, is that even possible? <laughs> like, I don't know what that means. How are sacks overrated? They're not. Like, I think, uh, to try and save the conversation, I think steals in basketball are an overrated stat to judge how good of a defender someone is. Like, just because you get a lot of steals doesn't mean you're necessarily a great defender. It could mean you gamble a lot. You get, like you, a Russell you Westbrook gambles. gamble. Like, it's not like sometimes the best defenders are the more, the most sound. And sometimes the more sound you are, you're not necessarily going to create a bunch of, st- like, I, wonder, I think steals. I guess what I'm saying is people that equate steals directly to best defender is the most steals. I don't necessarily agree with that all the time. So is he saying his I don't know, Elmation, I'm just I'm reading. I don't know if you knew Elmation, that quote or I don't know what Elmation was thinking, but is that a defensive backs coach way of saying the work is done by 
that's probably trying to make By it your the talk your group up. Backs and you're getting sacked. Because remember, you hear the old your coverage do. sacks. Oh, yeah. that's a coverage. That's sack. That's a coverage sack. That's so maybe that's what a defensive back. There you go. Saying, well, we don't have to go any further than that. Steve says, "Bo, how do you feel about head coach loyalty to his assistants?" I'm actually not referencing Frost. I'm more interested in Callahan, Cosgrove, Solich, Bull, Riley, Banker. D'Antonio is catching a lot of heat right now for shuffling a staff but not firing, and it might cost him his job. Uh, side note, you guys are awesome to listen to. Your impressions are ridiculous. It sets both of you off, which sets me off. And I look like a doofus with earbuds. I love it, Steve. Appreciate you laughing. <laughs> but what it, you're an interesting guy to talk to. Like, how do you feel? That That's always a tough thing on, you know, I mean, I think we all look back at that 03, 04, 05, you know, 02, yeah. 02, 03, 04 time where it's like there's all that line of like loyalty that's tough. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough question because you don't need to bus roll anybody or anything. I'm not. Yeah, to put no, you I I don't know the the answer to that because I guess as a head coach, most of the time, I think head coaches hire people they trust, right? More often than they hire this guy is the best at the job, right? Because as a head coach, the guy that's the best at the job might be not always the easiest. He might not see eye to eye with you. It might not always be a perfect match. Right. And so most of the time, head coaches start with, I mean, obviously they want people that are good, but they'll usually take the person that's good and it's one of their guys that's going to be loyal to them and to their vision. Versus maybe just the best at what they do, who they are not familiar with personally. Right. So that's the, that's sort of the dynamic when head coaches take over is a lot of times they are hiring people that they know more than they're always hiring well, the best, quote unquote. All I know is, I want everyone right now this listen to think about this. If you were truthfully named head coach of pick a Nebraska football, Creighton basketball, Nebraska basketball, and you had to pick a staff, you got two weeks. You, pick you, it. Like a big part of, and you're the head coach. Mm-hmm. You want to pick people that you trust. You know, see things the same as you you know, are going to have your back. You know, like, as much as you say, like, man, I'm hiring the best this, the best that. And it's like, yeah, you're also not, I'm not saying you go hire your buddy that's an accountant that doesn't know a fucking thing, but he tr- you trust him. There, there is a level of ability that has to be there. But it's usually but, somebody you've worked with or it's somebody that you're, you grew up under set will recommend to you. It's right. usually a recommendation from a close source or it's somebody you've worked with. It's rarely that you're like, well, I'm just going to go interview because the. I'm going to go interview what's quote unquote considered the top guys. Out it just there. doesn't like you. You have to have some connection with them, and I mean, I, I, I so that's that's something I don't know if people think about enough. Like you got to put yourself in those shoes where, all right, if you're listening out there, tomorrow you're the head coach. You just got the job. You're hired. Guess what? You have one month to get your staff every position filled. You got to go recruit people. You, you're like, where do you start? Where do you go? Because this is got to be. It's all on you now. 
And it's hard to say you're just going to go out there and, and search around. Are you going to interview 10 people for each position? Or are you going to call start calling people that you've worked with now, and, the, and be now, like, hey, now here's, I know you But can here's do the this. crux of what Steve is asking, though, is when that, what we're talking about, doesn't yield results. You know what I'm saying? That now, gets you, dicey. You, that, that's where, I think that's the crux of what Steve is talking about is like, Okay, you went out and you hired the guys that you trust and that that know you and all this stuff, and all of a sudden it's now not getting it done. That's when it gets hard, and that's where it's like the hard part is that one of the flack that Bo always got is Bo hired his friends and a bunch of yes men, not you, Bo Polini, but Bo yeah. Polini hired you know and like well, he hired his brother and his yeah. brother you know I mean, his brother's he's great not defensive firing mind. his brother right, but Carl's a good defensive coach, yeah. but I mean Carl's issues were other stuff, but like it that that's that's where it gets hard though. That's where it gets hard. Yeah. When you when you hire someone that's too close to your heart, that makes your head like it makes I'll it. Tell you this right now, Nick, I'd never fire you. <laughs> I'd never fire you. I, we don't have to finish this. I, I need to. I've been. Should I've been we empty. tell people where we're, we're at? We're empty. We've been. I've been empty for uh, a couple minutes. Well, I'm opening the second Nick bottle. We don't have to finish it. We don't open. have to finish it because we're at an hour and a half. But we don't I'm, have to finish. this. I'm drinking my last drink here. Hold on. I feel great. I got. Yeah, I you. feel so good. I'm just saying. I want to keep on having a few. Like you, Arnold Schwarzenegger said in Twins, Vincent, my back teeth are floating. <laughs> ah! So if you want, if you want to have some of Nick Bob's favorite wine, jam jar, you you go right ahead. Give me some of that damn jam jar. You don't. I'm I'm saying because I know you got you you got to get home at some point in your life, but I just I'm feeling too good and I'm loving life too much. It is Bo. We're in a screened-in deck and it feels amazing out here. You guys have never done a podcast. Oh, I recommend it. I think everybody needs to quit their jobs. Find something they like to talk about. For us, it's sports. And nonsense. Nonsense. Entertainment. Husker football. And sitting and screening in porches with your best friend. So what you got to do. And just loving My life is so good right now. I love my life. I'd recommend everybody consider it. Let's keep it rolling. Okay. Diana. Says, when are you going to do a live podcast so your fans can outburst right alongside you? It's hard for me to explain at my to my office of women why I'm crying, laughing about sports theme podcast. Diana, at some point we need to do we we'll do a pod live somewhere at some Actually, point. Actually, I've had I I was talking to some of our friends this week and they want to they want us to do like a wine pod, but they want to be here listening and drinking wine as sort of like a live deal. Oh, so maybe, that's good. Uh, we'll start there and build it. Yeah, build it. All right, I like that. But then I also asked, what are other local, what other local sports do you guys admire? She goes, I feel like John Cook and the Husker volleyball team need some love and you should interview some associated. Those ladies dominate, lead the country in so many stats, that sheer domination, stifling defense, work ethic, consistency, or the same characteristics of 90s Nebraska football. Well, but I, I will say, I mean, obviously, what John Cook does is incredible. But other local sports that see, I don't follow enough. I'm more like go to high school, and like I think of high school. There are a handful of like iconic high, like Doug Woodard at Bell West. Yeah, like I would like I admire what Doug's done. Um, there are a handful of maybe uh, 
high school football coaches that like have done it for a long time that I think it's really hard to do to sustain yeah. it. Like I think like it'd be interesting to like sit even a Chuck Mazursky down and like a longtime Southeast football coach and like pick his brain about that stuff. Well, even more than I think for me, I, I I'm a history guy. I love history. And to be able to talk to a Chuck Mazursky or, you know, a Woodard or, you know, you name like the, the institutions, the Creighton preps, the, you know, you pull some of those. Omaha Central. Time. Eric Barron's at Omaha Central. Yeah, I like mean, just, just to ask them about their experiences like through the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s. Like tell me about some things that stood out, some – some you know amazing moments like who who's the best Rick Kalura at Northeast. Yeah. I mean, some of the best high school basketball teams I've ever seen in my yeah, life. Yeah, so the, the the Rockets, those Lincoln, those Lincoln Northeast teams from the mid nineties to late. Oh, 90s, they were so they good. Were, I used to go to those games peated. all the time. Like that, they were a that was an unbelievable run, and that's so hard to do. You know, like th- those are the type of things that I think to me. As a Lincoln person, as a Nebraska kid, I have so much interest in learning the history of that. See, stuff. and that's where I have a reverence, and I always think like I did this in our high school Hall of Fame induction, where like I thank my grandpa Al Ba, who if you go to Fremont, the the gym Al Ba Gymnasium. My yeah, long time, yeah. he was a, the basketball coach, the athletic director, mother, legend, mother. mother. I mean, I, the amount, I, there's nothing I love more than when people from Fremont come up to me and say, like, I knew your grandpa, da 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 da, da. I give a story or whatever, like, love it. And uh, did you ever come, to, you came to the state tournament with us, right? Every year. Every year. Like, for about, for basically, when we would, for about five straight years, we'd, we'd get out of school. We'd get out of school Thursday morning. Because Thursday state tournament Friday. starts, at, so. And we, you'd. I'd go with you or your br- and your brother, and we'd go there for the All first day. game, and we'd be at the the state basketball tournament from eight a.m. I mean <laughs> until eleven at night, right? And it, the, the memories are like your grandma brought the the, the big blue bag yeah. full of candy. Yeah. Grandma Patty <laughs> had a bag full of candy, and you'd sit at the the Vanny Center. All day long as a kid and watch state basketball. It was it was one of the greatest experiences. I ever. would sit with you, and we would watch. Like there was nothing better than like the eight the nine a.m. Fairbury game or something. John like Beer Beer Bomb yeah, would be which there. Was or, or uh, Anthony Cowgill, yeah. the guy with like the kind of set. Like you'd watch these dudes, and you know it was so much fun. But what I'm getting at is like the like I always thank this to like. I have a uh, a reverence and a love and respect for like high school, in particular basketball and football, for what these guys do. And I think it all started with my grandpa. But like that was like the state basketball tournament was like might as well have been like a Ba family holiday. That that to me is one of so the Ba family, who is my second family, that's probably the marquee event. Oh, it was the biggest event for the boss. Because the whole family would come. Everybody the, came. Grandparents. The, the, yeah. Cousins, uh, uncles, cousins, aunts. Uncles, it didn't matter. You know, Mick, Scott, Bob, like all, yeah. everybody was there, right? And it was so special. I think there's a lot of families around the state that do That do, do similar things like that. And it was, it was it's just a part of your life. And I don't know that it's the same as it was back then. I don't, I don't know, know if people do that. I, I haven't been to a state basketball game in a long time. It's but. always during it's, it's tough because it's during that's always during like conference 
college conference tournament, so I'm always out of town. I was able to see my brother win state. Creighton got upset early in the Big East tournament, flew home, watched my brother beat win state class B. It was most unbelievable. It was like felt like I won because it was like fucking we got to the state finals twice and lost, and we don't even go down that road. But like uh, I did, we did get a mailbag question about the 2001 Bell West game, and I'm just like I'm not even gonna go there, Doug. But uh, yeah, it, it's uh, I have. I have just a lot of respect for longtime college or longtime high school coaches. Yeah. Like the, the, the and, people that did it for that did it for, you know, 10, 20, 20 30 year, years. Like that's or, or the guys like even listen, you can sit there and be like, oh, Eric Barons. I mean, they won I I'm gonna like they won six or seven of like ten. Something. Like and I get it. They had Josh Jones and a Koi and all like they had a bunch of but like basketball is a different thing. Like, just because you have the best team, trust me, we know this, just because you have the best team doesn't mean you're always going to win when you get in a one-and-done scenario. Yep. So, like, I have a ton of respect for Coach Barons. And so, to answer Diana's question, like, it would, I would more go to, like, the high school ranks with that with that question. Um, <laughs> I will, I will uh, censor this one. Steve says, Bob, I know you have – I will use affinity – instead of the word he used for for Scott Frost pipes. But what's the deal with this 5 o'clock shadow? Isn't he getting paid to buy a pack of razors? Could you imagine Tom Osborne looking disheveled on the sidelines? Uh, then he said, why don't you and Bo host over bigger and overreaction? Sunday pods are bigger and overreaction. Then he says, your Greg Sharp impression is spot on. Thanks. That's from Steve. Um, yeah, his, his... Give us a Greg Sharp. <laughs> <laughs> Describe this wine podcast as Greg Sharp. This is a, this is a touchdown Nebraska. I'm here drinking wine, Pinot, Pinot Grigio. We got a sweet Syrah jam jar, got a Pinot Grigio. The ball's out in a strip. Nebraska's going to win a football game. Nebraska, your jam jar is coming in hot in a Pinot Grigio. Got a sweet Syrah, got a red blend. <laughs> I love you. Here's what I don't want to have happen. Can I just like said, like, sometimes the way Twitter can work, and I hope it doesn't, like, Greg, I think you're really good. And I think Greg is good. Greg's awesome. He's got. I do an impression. Like what I always tell people, because I do a Coach Altman impression. Like, you know why I have an impression? Because I listen to him. Because he's good. Because he's really good. I just don't want people sometimes like thinking. We've got a point where sometimes people think impressions are like mean spirited, or I'm making fun of him. Like, I'm not making fun of Greg Sharp. I like Greg Sharp a lot. He's he's but he's got a a voice that's good enough. It's so it's so good. You want to hear it more. Yes. So I love you, Greg Sharp. Uh, but yeah, his, his five o'clock shadow needs to work some work at times. You know, I always feel like whenever you have a blonde facial hair, it's just hard. But it's different. So Osborne grew up in an era where men wore suits and shaved. And you, shaved. Facial every hair day. was like, what are you, a hippie? You're a hippie. Let's see that hair, boy. You better, yeah, cut you that better hair. drop and give me 20. You're going to give me 10 push ups for every whisker, mother. it's like okay come on now so different era but frost i love your pipes and you know what and and this is it's also different like did coach osborne ever just like show up in like sweats i don't remember like what did frost or uh osborne someone back in the day mike babcock eric olson tom chattel did did what did tio wear to press conferences remember he had that weird 90s 
jacket. That- I feel like he always wore like the poofiest apex winter coat everywhere. Even when he got into bed, he was like, I'm Maybe going to bed. I'm going to cold. bed, honey. So was- <laughs> good night. And it was just like cold. winter coats, just like. I feel like it was just apex apparel at all times for him, but I'm not totally sure. Devaney wore you know, like suit tie with you know like the, the, the hat, hat, like whiskey. I mean, he was Bob Devaney. Now that's a guy you he talk should about be drinking. Devaney should be here drinking with us. You know when you talk about you know people are like man, dead or alive, if you could have a couple beers in it, like Bob Devaney'd be sneaky up there. See, I I wish we lived in the era where like they had things like the Nebraska Club, where you know like after work. <laughs> Every single guy in the that lived and worked downtown would be like, I'm going to the Nebraska Club <laughs> <laughs> from four to six and get liquored up and then they go home and their wives have dinner on the table and they're like, Hey, honey, I feel you know they come home schnockered every day. Yeah, that's, that was, so that, that was, was their the world. These men who lived in the era That was what it was. <laughs> you would work till whatever and then you, you got get schnockered me go with home. the boys. Nobody could get a hold of you because there were no phones. That's amazing. And so you were just assumed that, yeah, like, he comes home schnockered every day. That's amazing. Dinner's on the table. <laughs> amazing. Mean, what, a, what a life. I mean, I guess we can't complain when our job we're drinking wine. is to drink. We're drinking wine in the screen. I'm, I just don't think you understand. Like, I can't convey my happiness more than my so happiness. So this pod like, was supposed to end 20 minutes ago. But we are having too much fun, so we're not going to stop. I'm not going to stop it. I'm going to keep it rolling because this next question is what we were really excited about when I told you it was coming. It's from Zach. It says, Nick, NBA starts this week. Who is your MVP? Conference finals, East and West. Who wins it all? Best regards, Zach. Tell you what. MVP... What do you what do we think, Bobo? Uh I think the king is is rested and the king is ready for his final his final run. So this if, year? So so You think he's got one more year or a or a stretch? His final stretch where he's going to bring it cuz he's rested. He's got Anthony Davis, he's going to play he's going to play in some amazing spurts is kind of the way I see it. He's not going to do what he did with Miami where he sold out because he was 28, 29, just bringing it for, right. you know, 82 games, right? He's not going to do that. But he's going to play some great basketball because the pressure is taken off him so much with Anthony Davis. So I think it's either LeBron or Anthony Davis that are going to win MVP, but it's going to be a Lakers it's going to be a Lakers MVP this year. I'm going to call that right. See, now. that's a. It's lame to be like a, an agreement. You can't agree. With I me. can't you agree. Gotta, well, let me tell think me here. somebody not who um, who can win MVP this year. That's not LeBron or Anthony Davis. You got Kawhi and Paul George. No, I don't the, think either of those guys win. Neither of those two. Uh, I give Giannis you for the second straight year. For the second straight year, I think uh, the guy that I would Steph, say with no. Clay or Durant, he's going to be shooting the ball like crazy. Here's here's the one, Kemba. But in an Eastern what? Conference, I think Kemba could 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 mess around and win MVP. Whoa 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 whoa! Because they because they might. I mean, who in the East after like who in the East is after Milwaukee and Philly? And even I'm not like Philly's got like a team that can't shoot. 
they can't shoot. It's Embiid, Horford, Simmons. Like it's a weird it's a bunch of fours. Yeah, it's like we have <laughs> surplus of fours around here. We got a lot of fours. I think Bo- I think like it feels like it's a it's a year in which Boston's like their chemistry is going to be right. They're super motivated. I, I Kimba, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Jalen Brown. Um, what's his name? Uh, Gordon Hayward. Um, who's playing center? Is Baines still there? Baines is. I think they may have shipped him off. I need to do my research. But. I'd have to look. I'd have to. I'd have to pull up their but roster. Think but that, that I think. I just take, think. Take I think control. Kemba. I think Kemba is that is the type of player that w- is really good, but played on in a market and on a team that just got no love. And now I'm not. I'm trying to play devil. Like if I had to yeah. like answer the question, well, I would say Braun or AD. Here's a question for you then, Kemba Walker. I think Kemba's good. But how is he – is he a guy that when you add Brad Stevens as his coach, what does that do to Kemba? I think – well, I think it – I think there are a couple things it does. I think it's all about – first of all, it takes pressure off him to have to be the sole gatekeeper of like the locker room and the culture – and making sure everybody's like minds are in the right place. Like you now have a guy that is going to be help you with that. Stevens will Stevens do. will help with that. The other thing it does is when you have a guy that is that good schematically, it takes pressure off of two things. You to take bad shots because he's going to be able to do things to like help get you shots. And then he's going to be able to also do things to help Jason Tatum and and Jalen Brown and those guys get shots. So the the others to steal a line from Shaq, they feel like they're in it. And that you know what I mean? takes the defensive heat off of Kimba. takes the defensive off heat off of him, mm. and it keeps everyone else feeling good. So here here's what's funny about Kimba. There might not be a better player that I've seen less of exactly than Kimba Walker. I can't remember. When's the last Charlotte three, game that was on? Three TV? times in the last five years that they were on a prime. I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to find out this year how good Anthony Davis and Kemba Walker are because I you didn't never like see him. Anthony Davis was never on TV and Kemba Walker was never on TV. Never. God, it's it's amazing. Okay, well, I think okay, I've seen so who, some Davis, but I mean, I almost have never seen a Kimba Walker. Bo, he's game. good, dude. Like I did, I, I really. Who, okay, if we had to pick another guy, I mean, it's like Harden's going to have the numbers. Like even though that Westbrook thing, I'm not sold on. Uh, Steph is going to have. I think Steph's going to have a huge the ball year. in his hand so much this year, and he's going to be able to just. He's going to be shooting the ball <laughs> a lot. See, but here's Clay's going to be out till March minimum, and you know if he even comes back at all. So it's going to be Steph and D'Angelo, D'Angelo Russell. Russell, and that's it. And then and it's, it's they're going to have to score a crap load. See, here's the thing that concerns me is you look at they lose Andre Iguodala and Kevin Durant. Like I think all the, and Clay Thompson is going to be out for the majority. And Clay's of the year. out. That's their best three perimeter defenders. Yeah. I'm nervous that they're going to be like horrid defensively. So they still got I, Draymond. They, they got still Draymond. Got I don't have Looney. a good enough feel for D'Angelo's defensive motor. 
I don't know. I don't. I don't have a good enough feel for he's that. The guy, I've really watched almost. He zero. would be the next, but Steph would answer like Steph would have been my next. Like to me, Steph, Kemba, uh, Giannis has to still be in the conversation. Um, I don't know if one of the Utah Jazz guys, Donovan, Donovan, Donovan Mitchell, Mitchell, could fuck around and do some things. He's not going to win it, but I think he's going to. I don't. know. I think Utah is going to be fucking good. Dude. I think that because who they get? Who they pick up this year? They picked, picked up, up Mike Conley. That's. That's it. So that's a big deal. Okay, so here. Okay, so conference finals. I think it's going to be Clippers Lakers. You think it's going to be an L.A. conference finals? I, I'm copping out and going. Who do I think are the two best teams? I think the the Clippers are going to tank. You think with Paul George and Kawhi they're going to fall apart? I think there's going to be. I think, I think it's gonna not going to be as easy as it looks. There. I think they were good. They were a chemistry team without. Kawhi and Paul George, and I think that's going to f- mess up their chemistry. The, the guys that were the sort of role player yeah, guys. Yeah, Patrick Beverly and, and I think Montrose Harrell. I don't know. I just feel like there's going to be something missing there. I think there was just there's too much Kawhi, Paul George hype that is not going to – it's not going to go smooth I could see Clippers. that. I could see – who knows where Ka- – like Kawhi, I don't know if I have a great feel for Kawhi in general. He's like he's, he's awesome. A, he's, he's just so he's, he's just an interesting guy. Manager. He's got his load management thing, all that stuff. And then I don't care what anybody says. Like Paul George has has forced his way out now of two situations in the past three four years. Yeah. So like, do I do I like is Paul George the kind of guy that if I'm on the Clippers, like I totally trust that I don't know. I don't. I don't know if he's, he's all getting in older on this and thing. he keeps having surgeries. That to me is a bad combination. So so you think it's going to be late? Who do you think it's going to be? Uh, I mean, you got the Jazz, you got the Rockets, you got the Blazers, you got the Nuggets. I don't. The think Nuggets the have Blazers, their whole team back. Uh, jazz are interesting with Conley. I, don't I think know. the Jazz are gonna be good, dude. I don't know. That's tough. There, the West is way tougher. I mean, the East it's basically Celtics. I think it's Sixers, gonna be. I think it's gonna be. Mil- I think it's gonna be Milwaukee, Milwaukee and Boston. Milwaukee, Boston, and, and then, then I think it's gonna be two LA teams. And then I think, uh, I, like, I know you and I are Bron. Like, I think, I think, I think LeBron is about. I think LeBron is about to remind everybody who the who the fucking king is. He's the king, and that my thing is, I've never wavered that LeBron James is the best player on the planet. These last two years, where people just crapped all over him and totally and acted like he's over the like he's still give me a he's break. still LeBron. He's still unlike any of these other guys. He's the freak of all freaks. He's the greatest athlete that I've ever seen walk on earth. Yes. I mean it. Yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable to be that physically gifted. And and the guy has elite level skill to go with the greatest physical gifts of all time. It's unbelievable. So. Even I'm at going, thirty, he's going to be. I mean, we're thirty-five. He must be close to thirty-five. Well, he's class of 03. He's 03. He's 03, dog. But uh, I, I think he's going to make his last. This is his last hurrah for probably an MVP, and he's probably got two or three more good years with Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis is going to lighten the load on him. Make it. He'll be able to do a lot of those. Just throw the ball in and go. Yeah, run go and, chill. Run and chill. Um, so I think probably Lakers. So you're going Lakers winning it all. Um, uh, I don't even know about winning at all. I just think Lakers and who, probably Houston or Utah. 
which is just like again you're like damn is utah like you know you but i don't know it's tough I, we'll, we'll see i mean it's That's always tough it's always you need to get into you know march before you even have an idea yeah uh tyler says uh uh, hey, Nick and Bell. First things, I love the podcast. You two are entertaining as hell. Appreciate the work. And I'll look at pods. You two give good perspectives. I have some great takes. My question is, is what's the most difficult challenge that you two endured as players during your career, whether it was in middle school, high school, college, or pro? And how did you overcome that challenge? And what did you learn from it? Thanks again, gentlemen. And keep it the uh, good work. P.S. Please say fuck. I said it there, Taylor. Okay. Yeah, how about this? How about this? I predict yours. You predict mine. And then we'll tell what it actually was. Um, my prediction for your, the hardest thing to overcome, I got two, but I'm going to go with having to transfer and the sort of the whole process of like, as a shooter, like being somebody that just didn't have to think and could shoot and then Mm -hmm. you had to start thinking about it. Yes, I would or, say, or breaking your, breaking yeah, or, your, or just breaking your, yeah, dislocating the shoulder, dislocating and, the shoulder, yeah. your senior year of high school um, football. Those would be my two guesses. I would say, I, I would say that the hardest thing I ever had to overcome, and I'm not sure I ever overcame it. That's the issue. Was the first one was having to transfer, and really it's that whole process of going from playing and starting and being the man to all of a sudden you're not playing you're going numerous games of you never take your fucking warm-up off you know what i mean you never get into the game mm-hmm. and and then having to transfer and then you can't play at all and staying in the rhythm staying in the flow staying confident especially as a shooter like and just like you you need to you need to stay mentally in the right place that was that was really hard, and I don't think I ever overcame it, to be honest with you. I don't think I ever fully – I don't think I ever, even as a junior and a senior, when I was actually, like, starting and playing, I don't think I ever fully regained the the swagger and the confidence and the the kind of what you look for mentally when you're playing. That was – I mean, it was so hard that I don't think I ever – I don't think I ever was able to deal with it. I don't. I don't think I ever was was able to overcome it for you. I mean, the hardest challenge. I mean, I know what I think. I think it would be having to overcome all the coaching changes that you had to endure in college, and and all that came with that. I got to be diplomatic here with that. Like, just. I would say that I would say just that all having to deal with you didn't you ended up playing for a staff that you didn't commit to and that staff's how they did things I would say that was hard or what would you would it or would you say hurting yourself when you were a rookie yeah so I'd I'd say it's probably a toss-up between the cold the so the problem was more like, you know, when, when the coaching change happened, there was that internal, it was a struggle for multiple years. I mean, the, the, the staff that came in, usually when a coaches get fired, it's the, the team's ready for somebody new. Our team loved the coaches we had and didn't want them to go. Right. And so that was a process that almost never went away. 
And so even though we somewhat tried to embrace the new staff and the new culture, we knew that it wasn't right because they didn't want any part of Nebraska culture. Mm. They didn't want yeah. – they wanted to start something new – and they didn't want any part of the traditions, I don't think. And that that was hard knowing that they're like, you're like, that's not right. Yeah. The Nebraska culture was freaking, it was the deal. We right. knew it was. It was it was hardcore. It was freaking, it was time-tested 30, 40 years of freaking Right. That, that was, you talk about something like, if it's not broke, don't yeah. fix it. Like, the idea that that was broken, no way. As I pour another yeah. glass of wine, shouts out to the wine pot. So All right, keep going. We're already a bottle and a half in. Folks, yeah, we're keeping it rolling. I just want to keep good. going, though. This is good because I've never, I don't. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I would say that's definitely up there. Um, but I don't know if that stopped me as much as, you know, I've broken a bunch of bones, man. I Injuries. Break, I broke my arm twice in high school, broke it badly, and got, you know, plate and screws in, uh, in college. I overcame it. Just to get back to you know get back to sort of square one to and, and and it did pretty well even after it but you know then then you hurt yourself when you get in the pros and man I'll tell you what when you're not oh. when you're not big the biggest and the strongest and the fastest and you get hurt your opportunities dr- dry up quickly oh. and let me just tell you something my friend when I was in New England and that ankle of mine popped and i was out i'll tell you what the uh my career was was looking down pretty quick it it i think it's the one thing that people i like it was the whole thing i talked about with andrew luck when he was injured i think the biggest disconnect because i never like to drive this divide of like you don't know what it's like in the locker room and you don't like i think the biggest disconnect between like fans and athletes is injuries in your body and what you like yeah i because I, I think one of the hardest things was, for me, was like my body fucking quit on me my senior year. It just like just quit, and I I started I had really bad plantar fasciitis. I had bad tendonitis in both knees. I started having bad back spasms to the point where I remember Coach Allman had the famous story. Like he came into the locker room and I had you remember those training room or training room? Excuse me, where you had like oh, I had like ultrasound going like and, and he was like bob you were if you were a horse we'd put you down <laughs> you were a horse but I, but what was hard we'd about that was so some before our senior years you and i we'd go out and party but what did we do every night when we came 100, home 100 100 push-ups 100, 100 steps every every, every night, night for a year for a year straight and i was cuz coach altman was always on me on my body like oh you f- i mean he he said some of the meanest stuff like I just was never like the most ripped guy in the world and stuff. So like I really tried to make a commitment going into my senior year to eat right, work out, all that stuff. And I made a huge I went from like I went from like 15% body fat to 5.8. You saw me, I was myoplex. I was like, I was jacked. I was I went jacked. I was I was just like cut, you know. And but I think all that work I strained on my body caught up to me at the end of my senior year so like in the yeah. summer leading up i know that sounds great like i got my but i think i, I like i over i i or you just hurt, overexerted i overexerted yeah. myself to where because we had a preseason trip to canada so we had 10 practices in august like that stuff catches up to you the older you get but to your point about when all the injuries you endured and then your injury in in new england like 
it's it's hard to it's hard to overcome when your body isn't there. Yeah, I, I don't think the people that don't play sports and haven't gone through when you get injured. So one plain hurt. There's a difference between being hurt and being injured because when you're hurt, you're supposed to play. And I, I don't think they do that as much now as they used to. But oh. there's people out there knowing like they they've played hurt. They know what that feels like. It sucks when you oh. are hurt and you're playing. It sucks, but you do it, and so then that builds up. But when you get like a real like when you get a break or you tear a knee up, you tear a shoulder up, those things you're never the same. Yeah, ever right. You're never the same guy as you were before that injury, and so like you know like my arm, I broke this thing three times. Unbelievable. My my shoulder's torn now. I yeah, don't you, know you how. You have a torn labrum. Right I now. have a torn labrum and a torn rotator cuff, and I don't know when I did it. I just one day woke up. <laughs> I can't throw anything now. So those are things that happen where you go. I wonder how long that's been torn. So those are that's that's the type of thing that as a person who's injured. It's like did that that changes careers almost more than anything. Did you ever have a? Because I, I had two for sure. Did you ever have any games you were warming up and you're like, "How the hell am I going to play in this game?" Your body was so bad. Mm, I had two. Uh, if I was out there, I was good. I was one of those guys that I. I no, find either, a way to no get me wrong. I got find a way to get through the game. But that's like the but, the, the planner the planner stuff. That's the stuff that I think it would be goofy. See that? I, I guess yeah. You had like the like the like I had more like the nagging stuff. Yeah, for me it's like uh, pain's not a problem for me. I can I can put my mind somewhere the, the else. Planner, but I, I mean I remember there were a couple games where I was li- I would go through layup lines and I just was like I, I don't know how I'm gonna start and play tonight. Bad, and yet know. people, you know, it's like, so I don't go guard. Like, and you got to uh, go guard a fucking guy. And you're like, Jesus Christ this is horrible. Um, okay. This was the one that, that this was so stupid, but it's great. Jason says in an alternate universe, a rogue seaman by the name of captain crunch decides to host a death to the, uh, uh, host a, to the death battle Royale consisting of eighties and nineties serial mascots. The early numbers are in, and Mikey from Life Cereal is the early favorite due to his propensity to eat anything. The question is, who do you go with in this all-or-nothing bloodbath? Some of the contenders for reference. Uh, he's We wrote down Tony the Tiger. Count Chocula? Snap, snap Crackle Pop, Count Chocula, Frankenberry, Lucky the Leprechaun, Diggum Frog, that's Sugar Smacks, right? Yep. Uh, the Captain, Barney... I don't know that Fred Flintstone, Mikey, the Cheerio Bee, Toucan Sam, Tricks the Rabbit, Cookie Crook, and Sonny the Cuckoo Bird. Well, you just said Snap Crackle and Pop, so they could, there are three some that can go in there and like they could they they can do things. Are they uh, fully functioning human beings? Well, are they like full size? <laughs> <laughs> are they like you know like there's like Keebler elves? Like are they elves? <laughs> Like are Snap Crackle Pop fully like they six three? <laughs> or no, snap, I would crackle, say Snap Crackle Pop the size of a spoon. They're, they're the small. size of a spoon. They're small, right? They're tiny. So then they're no good. I know what I'm, Tony I'm going the with. Tiger. Tony the Tiger. Any tiger is gonna win. You're great. You were a Frosted Flakes guy. I did a lot of that. Tons of that. 
Uh, quick, quick question. Creighton Leaf says, uh, Nick, I uh, love the podcast. Uh, thanks for the objective viewpoints on Nebraska football. Question, what's the intro-outro song used on the podcast? It's some audio monk. It. It's a great song. It's like, uh, you know, you got to pay rights if you use, like, the guy, I, uh, the people I do the podcast with, Parkville Media, Pat Safford, you know, he sent me a bunch of, like, instrumentals that are used so you're not getting, like, sued by anybody. It's It's an instrumental beat that I picked. I don't know what to tell people. It's a great song, but that's the extent of it. Do you, that, you know what I always think when I hear it? I, I, I actually love it. I, I get, it's a I great get so song. excited every time I hear a pod and it starts out. But it's, it's like funny. like Bruno Mars, dog. You played it for me, and I thought, this song would be the song if they did a one of those VH1 movies on Nick Baugh's life, like when he's finally... Like, <laughs> The very end of the movie bag, and he made it. Nick has his own podcast and play, and it would be that, that song. That song. So it works, doesn't it? It works because that's what it would that's what would happen in a movie if you the last scene was like, and Nick Bob made it, he's things are great, and he's doing his own podcast. <laughs> that's what a song oh, behind the like. a VH one behind the yeah. music on Nick Bob. So that's what it sounded like. So I always think that thought when I hear the intro. Because I, oh, I yeah. absolutely love the intro. It's a good song. So we, I mean, we are we, hey, we're done, man. I mean, we, we finished we the wine. It. We got the half bottle drink. We, we went a half to the second. So we went a bottle and a half. Bo- we're two I, hours in. Two hours, we ten two minutes hours in. in. We're two hours in. I got to pee. Well, you know what? That if means, I got to pee, that means that we got to be done, right? Well, let me just. Can I get you one last cheers? Hey, man. First this one. Hey, doc. Well, then I got to make sure I got a little something to cheers in there. I don't want to. Just make, hey, health and safety. to health and safety, Bub Wendell. Hey, this is just, hey, you my boy. There's nothing better than doing this. This was great. I hope people enjoy this. We have to do this, not just again, but like frequently. Frequently. Hey, and- let me tell you, people. We need you to download this. Talk about this as much as you can because we need as many excuses as possible to hang out with each other. And the more you guys support this, the more Nick and Bo get to drink wine together and hang out. So just, like, make sure you just make this seem like it was great, all right? Just for us. Everybody's got their, but we're all buddies here. Do yourself, do everyone a favor here and just help us out with this, all right? This was fantastic. Awesome hey, job. Cheers. Cheers, my man. To the next one. Ah. I'm going to take a sip. Production.